Yeah, I'm just a beaner. I wasn't a beaner. Like, I mean, I was, right? Obviously. But when I was growing up, not really. I would always just listen to rap. Well, like my parents, they listen to like, um, what are they called? Las Gilguerillas? Oh, just hit record, dog. That's recording already. Oh, yeah. yeah so, that's, that's literally all they listen to. So it's like, I grew up listening to that. No, like Ramon Ayala or anything like that. It was always like my dad bumping like Gilguerillas and stuff. Gilguerillas is dope. <laughs> not, and not for nothing. I like them. You fucking wake up listening to the, uh, the what is it? The Pine Saw? And I always fucking your mom with a little towel over the fucking head, fucking mopping. There's a little... Did you, was uh did you have to wait for breakfast or was it breakfast already done by that point dude my dad actually cooked breakfast dude it was Is that actually, right he gets down yeah he, dude, he yeah. had this thing called uh it's, it's called cola de zorro which was like um it was like tor- like smashed up tortilla with like some huevos like green salsa bro that thing was fire bro dude. green salsa is a thing down there for you guys huh because you're from yeah. over there too yeah mm-hmm. i realized another thing that in jalisco that not a lot of people in mexico do is we like to put like ketchup in our like mariscos and stuff. That, oh um, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, I, I feel like that's become more of a thing. Um, in el, in como un cóctel. Yeah, like in a cóctel. Yeah, 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 like yeah. that's part of the ingredients. Well, we're from Zacatecas, so we're not too far, off, so I, I can see that because we do that too. Just because uh, you have to cut that damn uh, uh, the stick. ¿Cómo se llama? The the clamato. El clamato. Mm-hmm. You have to, yeah. you have to, yeah. it's really bitter. So you put like little, um, and also have you Katsu. noticed that the ketchup tastes different over there? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, I heard that they put Fanta in it. You know, Fanta is not in a, a Mexican drink. But I heard that's what they do. They dilute it with Fanta and that's what makes it so sweet. Word? Nah. Nah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, you never know. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Seems like something that can happen. A concoction. Shit. Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. w- welcome back to Concepts and Nonsense. On today's episode, we have Alfonso. He just took a Volaris flight all the way from Jalisco to do this damn podcast for us. Yes, sir. The last flight. Last <laughs> flight. Last, <laughs> flight. Last, <laughs> last, last flight. That's why we're talking about Jalisco. You know what I've seen recently? And I know you didn't take offense, but I hope you don't take offense. I saw this local taco spot. I want to go visit them because the food looks good. It's actually around the corner. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Hmm. We're not going to disclose, but it's around the corner. Um, they did some shit where they're like, oh, es un chocomila estilo Jalisco. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Un chocomil estilo Jalisco. Bro, I didn't even know there was different. There's levels. <laughs> That's what it, I'm bro. saying. Yeah, like when when he told me about it, I was like, well, like the 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 thing that makes chocomil is like a, th- a thing over there because it is a thing. But like the thing that makes it is the ambiance, like where you are, where you yeah. go get it. You know what I mean? Like, like in mercado up, and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. you pull up somewhere and like estás, you know, in el aire libre. You know, like you just order what you're gonna order, and then you know you might have a choco meat. Who knows? But like I feel it's a like little on the go thing. Yeah, like a little that. on the yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that's what makes it a thing. But like people just decided to to throw it in a bag and say estilo Jalisco. It's like that's not. That's like, not a thing. Stop. Like, and that's, that's called poverty over there. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're trying to cut costs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And someone like commented on their shit and they're like, what it makes it estilo Jalisco? And they're like, oh, it's a, you know, generations of uh, secret ingredients. And I'm just like, ¿cuántos pinches ingredientes puede tener esa estupidez? Nesquik and milk. Nesquik, Nesquik. Hey, güey, ¿cuántos, uh, cuántos, uh, cuántos trenes chocó Pancho Pantera? ¿Cuántos? Choco mil. <laughs> Uh, oh fuck that was dumb as fuck yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even expecting that one, I just literally just said it yeah, I love that <laughs> ¿Cuántos? ¿Cuántos chocó? No pues uh, aquí estamos con, con el Alfonso Y sí, gracias por venir Thank you for having me dog yeah, No, no luck 
It's been a long time coming. It's yeah. definitely yeah. been a long time coming for sure. Yeah, I'm glad I'm finally here though. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate you uh, you coming in, man. Yeah, thank he you, brought man. gifts too. Right? He brought gifts. Let's see what we yeah. got. A little merch. A little merch. Okay, let's see. A little merch. He brought Ooh, two. Yep. Yes, sir. For the boys. Yes, for the boys. Sir. See what's going on. No look, baby. That's mm -hmm. the that's the brand right there. Yeah, it's the brand. It's a little up and coming. We have some designs going on. That's so far one of the only things we have. We're working on shirts and a bunch of other stuff. But um, I mean, you yeah. have shirt, you've had shirts in the past. Yeah, we've that had was like shirts. when you were like trying to get it off the ground. right? Yeah, and this is more like I once I kind of found a little bit more of a direction I kind of wanted to go with it. I yeah. kind of almost reposition the whole business to kind of be something a little bit more um open to interpretation because before we have a lot of people thought it was just about tattooing and now it's a it's more of like a lifestyle brand because you know i like to tell people like man there's there's no such thing as luck you know what i mean like it's all sure. hard work it's all hustle and stuff and that's kind of like what i like to represent in the band so yeah there you go it's what it's what about it's what it is mm-hmm taking no luck baby yes sir so you guys better rock those things I was actually thinking about wearing it on the pod, but I'm, I'm going to wait. But no, I will. I will. Look, I don't um, I only wear these vintage new eras, um, so I don't have a lot of hats. I do have a lot of hats, but I don't have a lot of different hats, I should mm -hmm. say. So this is going to come in handy. I'm going to wear this to the gym and I hope people uh, say like, oh, I know who that is. Perfect. Bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually, you know what? I might not wear it to the gym because I don't want to. Pues es la dominguera, dog. La dominguera. Yeah. 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 Where can I go wear this? See, it's, it's a sexy casual lineup, you know what I mean? So you can wear it to church. Well, no, you can't wear it to church. But I mean, the grocery store. For sure. You know, driving. Yeah. I'm at Sprouts with this bitch. Yeah. Whole Foods only. Whole Foods only. For sure. No, I appreciate this. Thank you. I wasn't expecting any gifts. So when I, because no, no, when I ran outside, I, I, I wanted to, um, I didn't want to greet you because I didn't. I wanted to wash my hands first, and then this guy just—he's like, "Hey, yeah. merch, yeah, yeah merch." Yeah, I wasn't expecting a hat, but hey, we'll we'll take it. We'll rock it too. It's all Absolutely. love, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. That's what we're here for. Yeah. yeah, no, thank you for that, brother. No, of course. ¿Y cómo has estado? Busy, man. Busy. Busy. Um, just working, working. Uh, had a lot of crazy life experiences, and kind of sitting back and trying to like process everything and. Kind of decide what route to take after that you know absolutely but it's been an, it's been a crazy couple of years for sure though just working and uh trying to almost find a comfortable medium in my industry now you know i've mm -hmm. been doing this for 10 years and i've kind of just tried to for lack of a better word almost find a a good balance between my life and my work, you know? Yeah, definitely. And mm -hmm. and for the people out there that are listening or watching right now, uh, what is it that you do and where do you work? Can you tell uh, us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah well, definitely. Um, first of all, my name is Alfonso. I, uh, I was born in Mexico, moved here when I was 12. I'm from Los Altos, Jalisco, if anybody knows where that is. Uh, came down here. I, uh, I own a tattoo shop called Royal Craft Gallery. It's in Mesa, Arizona. And I'm a tattoo artist. I have a clothing brand and I get into all sorts of other shit as well. So a little bit of everything. Un poco de todo, you know? There you go. Mm -hmm. The lifestyle. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, you, you know, you said you're from Mexico. You were born there. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. You were born in Mexico. And uh, how was it that you, you came to find that, you know, you're good at tattooing or that this is what you wanted to do with your life? Actually, that's a funny story because I have a cousin that well, he's basically my brother. We we grew up in, in Mexico together and he we lived in a little duplex, I guess, one house on top of the other. And sure. so we grew up together. Basically, he's my brother. 
And he was always the one that was in art. He was the one that was always drawing. He was the one that was always uh, getting into like pencils and all that shit. And then um, he wanted to be uh, an architect. He knew since the beginning. So he was always drawing. He was always doing all that stuff. And me to hang out with him, I was like, I guess I can draw too. You know what I mean? Just because I wanted to hang out with him. I didn't want to be bored doing anything. So when he was drawing, I was drawing next to him and stuff. And it just, I kind of almost grew to kind of like it since it was all he wanted to do anyways. Mm -hmm. And then uh, as I came here, uh, I obviously didn't know the language. I didn't know anything. So my best way to just kind of entertain the time was just draw, you know? So I would start off in school. I would draw like um, back and back when I was younger, you guys remember the movie Godzilla? Like the original one. (laughs) Like I fell in love with that movie. So I would draw like Godzilla pictures and I would sell them at lunch for like five, 10 cents and stuff, you know? And then um, after that, I started noticing a lot of people, you know, coming from the U.S. or coming from Mexico, excuse me, with tattoos. And over there back in Mexico, you saw only like the druggies and stuff wearing like Game super, members. yeah, like, like <laughs> it wasn't a good image to have in tattoos. Sure. And I saw here people with like back in the day, I don't know if you guys remember, like the the fire sleeves, you know oh, what no. I mean? Like all that <laughs> yeah, shit. Fire, so yeah. I would see that and I'd be like, oh, that's super dope. That like I, the punch. Yeah, yeah, like I do, that dude's fucking dope. Like I want to do that. And I saw it more of a um, norm here, you know what I mean? And right. coming from a traditional Mexican family that I wasn't exposed to it as much. They always told me it was bad. Only bad people got those, you know? So coming to the U.S. and seeing that, it kind of piqued my interest very well. And I knew I always wanted to do it, but it was... uh it was almost like a, how do you say it? Like a, like a dream. Like it was like, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? It's not realistic. You know, people that right. tattoo don't make money back in the day. Well, back in the day, wasn't as big as it is now. You know, there was a bigger stigma back in the day for it. So um, I kind of just left that dream in the back burner. I was working at AutoZone and um, I remember vividly one time that I got my first tattoo because it was just out of nowhere. We were at a pool hall down the street uh-huh. and uh I was like, I kind of want to get a tattoo. You know, I was 19 when I got my first tattoo. I was like, I kind of want to get a tattoo, but I wanted to do something that obviously wasn't going to piss my parents off because you guys know how traditional Mexican parents yeah, are. You know what I mean? So I was like, I want to get something small, but I want to do it. And um, we went to the shop. I got my grandma's name, which it's covered up now, but sorry, it grandma. Was, <laughs> yeah, I know she's going to get redone. It's going to be somewhere else. You know what I mean? But uh, we we went to that tattoo shop and I kind of, uh, after the first one, it sounds very cliche and stuff, but I was always very kind of uncomfortable with my own body and stuff. I was always very skinny and, um, tattooing almost kind of gave me the opportunity to almost like, you know, when you get to like, you're playing like Skyrim or something and you get to like pick your character, how you want it to look like. I felt like tattooing almost gave me that power in myself sure. to be like, get to look how I want. You know what I mean? So I kind of started feeling, um, like falling in love with that idea of like, this is how I feel comfortable with myself. This is what I want on myself. And um, I started getting more tattoos. And um, every time, each and every time I started getting into it, I kind of started falling in love with the process of it. And uh, I've always, and you know, I, I didn't know what it took to be a tattoo artist, where I had to do, where to start. Nobody, you know, there's not like a course or anything for that. Right, there isn't so, a school. Yeah. So it's like, I didn't know where to start. Like I just do, I do it from home. Do I start here? So I just started drawing. I started drawing. And um, shortly after that, I mustered up the courage to go to a bunch of different tattoo shops and show my drawing and be like, hey, I'd like to learn, you know, but I'm a very shy person. I don't I that was 
me doing that, mustering up the courage to do that was like huge for me. So I go to a bunch of, uh, or a couple of local tattoo shops in my area. And back in the day, realism wasn't like a thing, you know, back in the day, um, like it was, was it like Americana style? Yeah. Like 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 traditional traditional, tattooing. That was more like, especially here in Arizona, that was more like prominent, you know? Yeah. So I would show up with a bunch of realistic photos, portraits and stuff like that. And to them, they didn't really see a market for that at the time. You know, Okay. they're like, Oh, you know, you're a good artist, but we don't see you being a tattoo artist in the future. There's no like basically kind of just like shooing me out the window, you know, or the door. And then, um, I remember driving home super depressed because I was like, fuck, man, like I finally mustered up the courage to do this shit and I got shut down. You know, nobody wants to be rejected. And then uh, I was talking to one of my friends, his name's Brett, and uh, he called me and he's like, what happened? What'd you do today? And I was like, oh, I went to go try out a bunch of, you know, tattoo shops, see if they would give me an apprenticeship. And they all said no. So he's like, oh, just come over and let me um, grab a beer. You know, so we go grab a beer and I told him what happened. And. He's like, oh, well, I have a friend that just opened up a tattoo shop. I'll give him your info. And that's just one of those things. You know, when like amongst friends, you talk stuff, you say things and they're just like, whatever. You forget about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm like, he's probably going to forget. He's not going to say anything. Um, two days later, he calls me and uh, he tells me, he's like, hey, the guy wants to meet up with you. He wants to um, talk to you. So you need to be there tomorrow. You know, I was like, all right. So I was all scared, you know? And I remember standing outside of that tattoo shop for, I think a good 45 minutes trying to like, what what am I going to say? Like like, this is the closest I've ever been (laughs) Mm -hmm. to like doing what I want to do. You know what I mean? So I walk in and it's literally, um, the guy, his name's Michael Rutham, the guy, his father, and they're just looking at me and like, you know, I don't like walking in a room and you know how it's such That's a small area. Like, yeah. yeah, you're like, fuck, you know? Yeah. So I get there and then he's like, so you want to be a tattoo artist, right? And I'm like, yes, sir. And he's like, don't call me, sir. So I was like, fuck, I'm already starting off bad. You know what I mean? You're like, okay. So I show him my drawings and they, uh, his dad is actually the one that said, he's like, he's like, wow, if we can get you to tattoo as good as you draw, he's like, I think you have something, you know, very promising in the career, you know what I yeah. mean? So um, that was like a kind of almost like a little light at the end of the tunnel for me, you know? And then he's like, all right, if you want to uh, come back tomorrow and we'll just kind of try you out, see how you work, you know what I mean? Um, and at that point, this was uh, usually apprenticeships for the most part are you're exchanging your time for them and exchanging you wisdom. They're teaching you how to do stuff. Right, a trade, like a trade. Yeah, like yeah. a trade. Um, but he told me, uh, he's like, it's going to be $3,500 to learn. Okay. You know, they were charging. Yeah. So he's like, it's $3,500 for my time. So I know you're serious. And at this point I had no money. I had no job. Oh no. I worked at AutoZone. I still, I was working part-time and, but I, I didn't have $3,500 to my name. I didn't, I didn't even know what $3,500 looked like at that point. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I was that kid that it's like, I would get a $600 paycheck and I would spend 800 of it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, I didn't know how to save money to save my life, but I was really into cars. So I did have, um, I had my car at the time. It it had like wheels. It had coilovers, had a bunch of aftermarket parts on it. And I told myself, I was like, I had a really good talk to myself that night. And I said, this is the closest I'm ever going to be to what I'm doing. So I'm going to just go out on a whim, you know what I mean? And, and, and I told myself, I was like, I love cars. I 
want to keep doing something with cars, but if I want to be a tattoo artist, you know, everybody's heard the reference, the starving artist. There was, you know, in my head, there was right. no money in tattooing. I just genuinely wanted to do it because I loved it. You know, it was me, me giving people that feeling that I got myself, that boost in confidence and decorating somebody's body. I wanted to transfer that into other people, give them the same feeling that I had, you know? Sure. So I literally, anything that wasn't bolted down in my room or in my car, I sold Yeah. just to get that $3,500. And I gave him the money and then um, I got the apprenticeship. And I think for a good six months, six months at least, I was uh, working at AutoZone from eight o'clock in the morning till about five and then going straight to the tattoo shop till like midnight, you know, and just trying to make it. But I didn't feel like I was making enough progress, you know, like I felt like I was so close to my goal, but I wasn't there. What was it that made you feel that way? Because I wasn't there enough. Okay. So yeah. like you just saw it within like what you were doing. Like yeah. Like work. I felt like I, I just told myself, I was like, I'm only getting, you know, I'm dedicating most of my life to this job that I want nothing to do with and only a fraction of it to what I really want to do. You know what I mean? So at that point I told my district manager that I was uh, going to quit. I was like, Hey man, I, I got a, excuse me. I got a opportunity to be a tattoo artist. This is something I've always wanted to do. I want to, follow that route. You know what I mean? And he just looked at me and he says, you know, if you leave, I'm not going to give you another chance, you know? And he kept telling me, he's like, why are you going to leave a for sure paycheck for something that you don't know? Right. How old were you at this point? I was 22. So I was, you know, I had a pretty, well, I wouldn't say I had a pretty good head on my shoulders, but I knew that there was no better time than now to start doing something, you mm -hmm. know? And immediately I responded to him. I said, listen, man, if, if I'm driving to work and I'm already looking forward to getting off, that just means I'm not happy. I was mm -hmm. like, and I don't want to live the rest of my life doing that. I said, I have an opportunity to do something I want to do and I'm not going to allow myself to fail, you know? So I quit that day. And then I started going to the tattoo shop every day since then. And yeah, I guess the rest is history after that. That's fucking bullshit that someone tried to talk you out of it. Like, I'm not going to give you another chance. Like, I hate, I hate when people box. I, well, you didn't put yourself in a box, but someone tried to put you in a box and say, like, you're not going to, I'm not going to give you a chance. Like, motherfucker, O'Reilly has a fucking, right? <laughs> O'Reilly yeah, yeah. exists. Like, what yeah. are we talking about? I, th I think it was more or less like a power move for him to I, be because, like, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's hard for people to kind of take, go out on a limb and do something. And he almost, I don't know if it was projection that he's like, oh, dude, he's going after something he wants to do and that I couldn't. You know what I mean? I'm it's the like, GM here. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> it's one of those things where that his response to me saying that almost was an even bigger driving force into me. It's a challenge, to do, right? You know? Yeah, it was yeah. it was definitely one of those things where I'm like, all right, well, you're telling me that like, good. That was almost like like a kick in the. A kick, kick in the in right the, direction, yeah, a kick yeah. in the ass that yeah, he's like, all right. So, sure, you yeah. know, it's like, it's one of those things where like, all right, well now, since you're not going to give me a job back, I, it's even more reason to make this shit work. You know what I mean? Same thing. As soon as I got my apprenticeship, the first thing I ever did was tattoo my hand because I told myself, Your I was own like, hand? well, somebody did it, but I mean, like oh, I was going to oh, tattoo okay, my okay, hand okay, okay. because I told myself, I was like, yeah, nobody's going to hire me if I get my hand tattooed. You know what I mean? It was almost like, you know, they call it a job stopper for a reason, you know? So it was one of those things where I was trying to like, give myself no alternatives, you know, put right. myself in that mindset where like, this is going to work.
you know? Right. And, and like for the people out there that are, uh, that are listening or watching, um, you said that, you know, you quit your job and you were going to go uh, through with this full time. What were you doing for money at that time? Like, were you just like taking anything you could from people that were paying you or were you were doing like something else that was like keeping the income coming in for you? Trying well, to, I was an apprentice. Trying to pursue this. Yeah. 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 You, well, I was an apprentice. you quit your job. Yes. Yeah. I had, I, whatever I could do, honestly, like usually if you like clean up after an artist, they'll give you like a tip and stuff oh, like okay, that. Yeah. So they'll tip you out. They'll do some little things here and there. Yeah. I, um. And other than that, dude, with, with little money I had, I found different ways to make Top Ramen, bro. You'll be surprised <laughs> how many different variations of Top Ramen way, you can make. Yeah. Yeah. Kenny, actually, Kenny was in this podcast. Shout, Shout out, to, out to him. Yeah. He actually showed me how to make um, Top Ramen with chorizo. It's like a little Mexican <laughs> chow mein, dog. It was, it was, I've what? never tried that, actually. Yeah. I've actually never tried yeah. that. I know, wow. I've, I've done the... I've done the, uh, the what is it the instant soup or the noodles mm. when you just crack an egg and throw it in there yeah, yeah i've never tried it with the egg but he did it with the chorizo dog it was, yeah what is that, that shit? oh no never mind that's the that's like pho, uh, pho or pho no the, i was gonna i was gonna call it like the fried rice with the egg but it's not like that it's just noodles yeah 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 yeah, yeah. But yeah that's basically what i did dude i just eat you, you were know, doping it up. Top ramen for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, baby. Is that right? That's what it was. <laughs> this was before inflation, so you can get them for three for a dollar back yeah, then. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, that's what it was, dude. And then, like my sister always told me, too. She's like, dude, you have to stop eating that shit, bro, because that thing takes, apparently it takes like forever to get out of your stomach and digestion. shit. So, yeah, I'm probably still fucking digesting that shit now for how much shit, I Shit, I'm pretty sure I got a piece of gum stuck somewhere in my intestines from 1982. <laughs> dude, what is, is that a myth? I heard that's a myth. I was just being funny. I don't know. <laughs> because I I used to be so scared to actually like swallow my gum. I was, yeah, I was gum. scared to swallow yeah, gum. Because they told me like, dude, you, you will probably die. Yeah. And that's what I was It raised. was a big thing. Yeah. They're like, right. you can't do that. You're going to die. And I'm like, oh my God, you're going to die in your sleep. You're gonna, I'm like, dude. Did you guys ever fall asleep with gum in your mouth? Oh yeah, I did. Mm -hmm. I remember. Pause. No. <laughs> I remember falling asleep with gum in my mouth and then I woke up and then uh, it and was I, in my hair. Era como que el Spider-Man te atacó, ¿verdad? Sí, güey. Como que el Spider-Man. That happened to me, too. That's why I asked. I woke up with, like, gum all over my face. I, I, I paused. I think I've, I've swallowed it in my sleep, but it never, like, ended up somewhere else. That's really? Crazy. Okay. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought that shit was a myth uh, that it would end up in your hair. Because, like, I always, you know, that's the, that was the thing, right? Like, oh, it's going to be in your hair. And it got in my hair somehow. I don't know how. It's fucking got in my hair. When just I just fucking spit it out, made fucking sleep. <laughs> no, but uh, like this is funny. Oh, I'm, I have two stories. Uh, not too long ago, I um I was asleep in bed and like medio frío, and I just pulled on the blanket because like it wasn't. I didn't have it on me, so I pulled on it and I pulled on the blanket so hard, but my phone was under the blanket that it spun in the air and in the middle of the night it fucked. It hit my face, and like in medio, like in in the middle of my sleep, I was like. I was like, oh, shit, what the fuck? And I let it go. I forgot about it. I went back to sleep. The next day, I woke up with, like, a bruise. You just thought you got your ass kicked yeah. in the face. <laughs> yeah. Some demons fucked me up. Right? No, but on the gum, on the gum uh, subject, um, when I was in middle school, this is messed up, but um, I was in middle school and we had PE. You're a bad kid. Yes, I was. Um, we, had, we had PE. So we were in PE. You dress out. You go out and run. And um, I was chewing gum and... I was just being an asshole. I took it out of my mouth and I flung it, you know, like a big, a long distance. It got, it hit a girl's head. I hit a girl's yeah, head. Yeah, but like I didn't do it intentionally and it just got in her hair. And then uh, the PE teacher actually came up and he's like, I saw you chewing gum. Was it you? I was like, nah, that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> but she had like, you know, it got her good. Yeah, got her good. She's all bald. And <laughs> <laughs> she comes in with the batch. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I did that. Uh, that's Shout out. out to Mr. Lyman. Shout out to Mr. Lyman. Yeah, Mr. Lyman. 
L-E-M-O-N. And he's the one that asked you? He's the one that asked me. You lied. Yeah, I lied to him, of course. I <laughs> take money for that shit. <laughs> That's funny as fuck. Uh, go, going back a little bit to what you were saying earlier, uh, when you were talking to these people about getting into the shop, you uh, you mentioned that the, uh, I think the father said to you, if you can tattoo as good as you can draw, then, you know, you have a future in this. And that shit doesn't translate. Is that right? Like, as far as like, if you can draw well, then you might not be a good tattoo artist. Or do you think that you can just get it off? I mean, it's it's definitely one of those things where I feel like everybody has their own opinions. Yeah. But in my personal opinion, I feel like you can be a good artist. That doesn't necessarily mean you can translate that to tattooing okay. or not necessarily. Let me rephrase that, that it doesn't necessarily mean you'll learn to tattoo faster if you have that artistic background. Oh. I do say that once you learn the tattoo or how to put ink on skin, your artistic ability can translate better to tattooing. You know what I mean? It won't necessarily yeah. make you tattoo faster, but it'll it'll definitely help you kind of better understand how to make certain things happen in tattooing if you have that artistic background. You know what oh, I mean? Okay. That mm -hmm. makes sense because um are you familiar with Todd McFarlane? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I like I watched a lot of interviews about him and he said he wasn't very good at art at art or drawing, mm -hmm. but he just kept doing it over and over. And he said that the biggest thing that he took away from like the early stages of learning how to draw was uh, the repetitiveness and understanding the not the anatomy of the body and how you know your arm looks and how it works and how it twists so he could mm -hmm. mimic that on on paper and um but he said like you know that shit's not just gonna happen like you really like if you're not naturally gifted at it you're gonna have to fucking work hard but the anatomy of like the body and that kind of translates to the because you know drawing is not going to translate to skin right not necessarily right you might have the the base of how to draw and everything but it's different because this is a this is a different canvas, right? Yeah, I mean that's the, that's the craziest thing about tattooing. The craziest thing about tattooing is that you're literally doing the same thing, but your canvas is completely different each and every time. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where you can have a really good tattoo one day. You're like, dude, this this is going out great. This tattoo is going to come out amazing because it's going in so smooth. And then the next client works construction is out in the rough sun skin. and then rough skin you know what i mean so it's like you it's basically your canvas is completely different every time so you kind of have to adjust to that every, every day or each and every time you have a client so that's where you kind of have to have that experience to know you know how to adjust your values how to you know tackle the project which in the first 45 minutes of a tattoo you'll kind of know how the rest of it's going to go depending on how that skin is reacting you know so yeah i mean it's that's why i feel like as far as regular art and like a regular canvas is completely different because for the most part, it's going to react the same way, whether you do it as opposed to like a skin, you know, might bleed a little bit more, might be a little more rough, might be drier and stuff. So it's all like a different thing. So you have to get that experience to adjust your art accordingly. You know, you ever tell a client, say moisturize before you come. Dude, I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, there, I've had some clients where you just want to be like, yo, dog, have you ever heard of lotion? Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's crazy, dude. But, you know, it's and few and far being, between. That's what's up. And uh, I also wanted to ask you, the, um, you mentioned that you were working at AutoZone before you became a tattoo artist or started trying, at least. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard like different stories from different people I've talked to that are somebody within what they're doing. 
that they're like, oh, you know, I never had a job. You know, it was just like I started doing this thing and then I became great at it. And like, I'm successful, you know, I'm successful now and I'm doing my thing, you know, whatever. Yeah. What other jobs did you have? Did you have other things besides? Obviously, you probably had to have some, you know, something else or I don't know, maybe not. Oh, man, my first job, it was um, I was a dishwasher at a Mexican restaurant by my house. And it wasn't like a real job. It was just like, hey, I was out of school for two weeks. Let me just do that. Yeah. So I would do that. And then my first actual, actual job, I was working in the in the meat department at sprouts oh shit so i got fired because i was eating all the little frozen shrimp the cooked shrimp (laughs) that's why you got fired those things were good dude like nobody (laughs) would show up it was a sprouts that not a lot of people went to so i was just sitting there and i would just go and grab the the they caught you i yeah the camera or what i don't know know. maybe somebody else saw somebody snitched i don't know but when i was a when i was a kid and i worked i worked at a grocery store for a little bit i would steal stuff all the time I was still snacks like cookies, Gatorades, everything. I don't even. Wait, what did you do? I, well, I pushed carts, and then when I became of age, and like like they put me on the register. I so also you, worked on the meat department. In the meat department, so you were a courtesy clerk, huh? Yeah, like I was a clerk. What's that? Didn't you come over here with the ra- rack of ribs once? I did. I did, and a case of monster. <laughs> and a case of monster. I don't know why I got fired though. <laughs> yeah, you know, I never got fired. I never got fired. I quit. <laughs> that, that was probably one of the most fun jobs I ever had. Is you know, is being a courtesy clerk at a supermarket. You know, it was like I don't know. You just it was so easy to hide. That's what you know I know did. What I mean? <laughs> it yeah. was so easy to hide. That's what I did. I hid. It never worked. Yeah, they would just be like, "Hey, you you have car duty for forty five minutes," and I would just stay in my car for forty five minutes and just wait till I had to go back in the AC. Like it was just so easy to be lost because it was such a big place. It's busy, right? Like yeah. there's people going Nobody's in and out. Nobody's gonna know who you are. They don't even know your name half the time. You know? Yeah. At the store that I worked at, uh, there was another person. I'm just gonna give myself the name Ramon. Um, <laughs> so there was another Ramon, and then I'm like, "That's not Ramon G." Like they're like they would be like, "Hey, Ramon," like you know. No, come to the front and I'd, I'd play stupid. I'd be like, that's not, I'm going to say it's not me if they, if they're like, hey, why didn't you come? Like, I thought you were looking for Ramon B. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even realize you were talking about me and I would fuck off. I'd, uh, I'd take a sweater and I'd hide in the cooler. Yeah. Fr- in yeah. the freezer? Yeah. In the freezer. Yeah. I'd stack up the, the milk uh, crates and build a little fort and I would hide behind the fort. Dude, I'm you, dude, that was probably one of the best experiences I had is having a job like that. Cause it's just like, you know, dude, you could do whatever the hell you wanted. I would always hide. I remember I would, uh, it was one of the supermarkets that had like those electric, like motorcycles and stuff. Uh-huh. So I think one of the best days I've ever had was during black Friday where every time somebody bought those little electric mopeds and stuff, like they'd be like, Oh, another one sold. You got to build it. So it's just in the back. That was like my favorite thing to do ever. You're like, I can't wait for yeah, Black Friday. I was like, dude, I just, that was what I was waiting for. That was my highlight of the year, dude. Just build those little things. Oh, dude, I, I would just knock them out. Yeah, I probably, half of them probably broke as soon as they left the house. But <laughs> the little, the little tiny crotch rockets. Yeah. Like the, like the little old Razor scooters. And then like, you know, you know, when you order like a back off Amazon and stuff, mm-hmm. basically all you have to do is like put the front uh, tire on it and put the handlebars on. That's basically what I was doing the whole time. It was I, motorized, right? Dude, I felt like I was a mechanic, dude. I was like, dude, I'm fucking <laughs> over here just killing it you know Cachando mano. yeah you're, you're uh you're brian o'connor yeah dude I, thought I, was, I was like dude i'm fucking killing it right now doing all this shit but it's not that much yeah it was all chill yeah dude but you know you have to hold yourself to low expectations at that age because you, you know that's hilarious yeah i remember uh like one of the it wasn't like my first job but like one of the earlier jobs that i had i used to work at a pizza place and i would go i would go and hide in the uh, walk-in mm-hmm. and then when i was in there 
I would uh I would pop open a soda and I would drink it and then there was like racks all around it so I would just like throw it you know in the back so nobody could tell that you know that anybody had you know taken any product and then uh that's I would I don't think it was that same day it might have been the next day or the day after but the manager you know we had like a little like a huddle a little meeting whatever and uh, the manager was like you know I noticed that somebody's been drinking the sodas. The Fantas. <laughs> yeah, the Fantas. He's <laughs> like, as soon as I catch who's doing that, you're fired. So stop drinking the fucking sodas. But he was a fucking dickhead. And he was an asshole. The first day I showed up for work, oh my God. he called me. I don't know. I think I might have mentioned this before, but I'm not sure. No, you haven't, but I want to hear it again. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was just trying to get whatever job, right? Just trying to get some money, whatever. So uh, I was applying everywhere. And then I applied at the pizza place. And then, you know, like any other job, I was expecting to get a call like in two weeks, you know, or whenever they get to the resumes or whatever. Right. So uh, I, that didn't happen. I got called like the next day after I had put in the application. And then the guy calls me and I'm having uh, I think I was having dinner. I was like hanging out at the house or whatever. And he called me and he's like, hey, uh, you know, you applied for this job. Like, are you interested? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm still interested. Like, you know, what's up? Like, when can I go in for an interview? And he's like, no, I need you to work right now. He's like, can you work right now? And I'm like, uh, I'm like, I think so. Like, but I. <laughs> I think so. I'm like, yeah, I could fucking work right now. I wasn't doing anything. Let me ask my mom. <laughs> Let me ask my mom. <laughs> so then I fucking I I just shoot over there and I I didn't know what to expect because I just didn't know what was going on there. So I walk in and then he's like, all right. He's like, uh, he's like, are you ready? He's like, where's your shirt? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you're the, like, this is the first call I get from this fucking right, company. Like, I don't even know your name. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't even know your name. You're like, bro, what? And then he's like, oh, so you don't have a shirt? And I'm like, no, I don't have a shirt. And he's like, all right, well, uh, you'll take mine. And he gave me the shirt off of his back, bro. And uh, you know, I was, that's, <laughs> that's real, right? There. That's real. Yeah, like <laughs> that, that was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely disgusting. But uh, I was just this kid trying to get whatever job, so I was like, okay. And he's like, yeah. He's like, let's go to the back. And like, he took me to the bathroom. And it wasn't very exciting though. He just took the shirt off and he gave it to me, and I took my shirt off and. I put his sweaty shirt on. It was still sweaty because he'd been working there all day. He was fucking, you know, throwing up pies, doing this, doing that. And it was a fucking sweaty ass shirt. And I put that shit on and I got to work. Do you want to disclose the place? Should I? Why not? Why not? Just air it out. <laughs> Just air it I'll out. Air it out. Fuck, uh, fuck uh, Pizza Patron. It was Pizza Patron. <laughs> they took the pesos, bro. And then yeah. they yeah. It was uh, it was pizza patron, and uh, you know I got I got everything I could out of it. You know I, I had to wear that smelly shirt, so then you know um, it was uh, it was within the uh, vicinity of where I lived. So a bunch of my like friends and stuff would come and get pizza from there, and then I would just hook them up. Wait, yeah. is that even still a thing? Is it still is pizza still patron? Something? Yeah. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen one in ages. The one he's referring to is still around the corner. No. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that one's still there, and uh, yeah, I would hook the homies up, give them extra wings. You know, I would. I sometimes I'd, like if there wasn't any managers around or anything, I would throw a pizza on top of a pizza, and then I'd close yeah, the box and give it to them. A little double deck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I would pull up and be like, I got wings and pizza. Yep. Yeah, all right. Yep. Wings and pizza, and that's what we did, bro. It's you know, first jobs. I remember. I almost set AutoZone on fire once, and the Kenny yeah, right. was there too. Did you work? Did you work there because like you liked cars, or like did you just work there because someone like dished no, you? No, I think. You? In my young mind, I thought that I was like the closest that I could get to like doing something with cars that I could be like, you know, because I was always a car guy and I always have been a car guy. Yeah. And um, it was always one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I work at AutoZone, dude. Like, I'm a mechanic. You know what I mean? Like, it just it gave me that. I'm like, I'm around cars all day. I get to, you know, so you're importing parts from Japan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like, you know, I felt like 
you know, like I was the, in it, you know what I mean? In, in that lifestyle, you know? And then I remember one time it was, we had to do, they were waxing the floors. Uh-huh. So we had to move all the merchandise out of the sales floor. And it was me and Kenny and the managers. Kenny, Kenny, Kenny? Yeah. What? And, he, and he's, yeah, we, me and him basically had the same life. Yeah. And you have history. Yeah. And he, he, uh, he told me and Kenny, he's like, Hey, when you guys move these, you guys know what Marine batteries are. They're like huge batteries that they use for like boats, boats? and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. There was a shelf with a bunch of them. And he's like, Hey, when you guys move these, let me know so I can help you. Don't try to do it by yourself. And in my head, I'm like, Yo puedo. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm like, I can do this shit. Like, this is easy. Like I'm going to, I'm going to get the gold star for the day. You know? So I was, I got the pallet jack and I'm moving it back. And there was a little crack in the door or in the floor. And literally I just see the pallet jack just kind of, or the whole shelf of batteries just kind of tumble down, tumbles, hits another oh. shelf. The batteries shoot up into the actual shelf. They ground themselves because they hit the two metal things. They, they touch each other. Sparks started coming everywhere and it just a huge flame. Oh, and man. I died. Yeah, the whole shelf was on fire. Holy shit. And then I run to get the fire extinguisher because I didn't know what else to do. I run, I get the fire extinguisher, I have it in my pocket or my pocket in my hand. And I realized I didn't know how to use a fire extinguisher. So I freak out and I just yell, Kenny, Kenny runs in, sees what's going on, goes and gets the manager. And by that time, uh, it was already, the fire was already like small. So the manager just comes up and just turns it off but it, then I, I had to go throw all the batteries away and then i got in trouble but you guys look dumb as fuck huh Bro, i look dumb as fuck not kenny <laughs> kenny had nothing to do with it i was just over here trying to over exceed and it just bit me in the ass yeah it was horrible what two things um so you said that you had a car that was like kind of decked out before you did you strip it to fund your yeah okay what car was that because i was interested it was the nissan 350z Ooh. Oh, 350Z? Yeah. Okay. Damn. That thing almost killed me too after I ripped everything out because I had like aftermarket coilovers, wheels, and everything. And then I uh, sold all that to get my apprenticeship, but I still wanted it to look cool. You know what I mean? So my dumbass decided to cut the springs to lower it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've heard so, a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. So I cut the springs. And then one night I'm driving home and it's raining. And um, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever ridden in a car that has cut springs but it's very very rough and it's very bouncy so i was getting on the on-ramp on the freeway and i hit a bump and the car ended up like hydroplaning and i just Real straight yeah i just straight like pepsi can the whole car all the way down into the the thing and you know i think almost fucking tore me apart damn whoa so that was like the like your was that your like your first big car accident yeah, that was like, yeah, that was it. Oh, like, you did fuck it up. Yeah, it, yeah, oh. it was. It turned into like a coke oh, you, can, dude. Oh, shit, you yeah, it was that. a whole coke can. It was, it was bad. Oh, oh shit. And, my, and the second thing that I want to ask about uh, your career at uh, AutoZone. Um, your career at AutoZone. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I tell people to make them young. Your career. Yo, <laughs> your resume. Your, re- your resume. If you were to ever put a resume together, it would be AutoZone, tattoo artist, tattoo shop oh, owner, dishwasher. Oh no! Oh, oh yeah, no! Yeah, yeah. Forgot sprouts, dude. Sprouts. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> but uh, I'm curious about Ozone because uh, like I've gone there and like you know they'll just swap batteries out for you or uh, what's the the thing that starts the power? Like the alternators, the alternators, yeah. and people would be like, yeah, just they would just swap it out and oh, bring it back and we'll give you credit. Like, was there a lot of scamming with that shit going on, or because uh, if I feel like it was just like 
crazy. Like I would, I would walk in like, oh, this battery is done. I'm like, I just bought it three months ago. It is very easy though. Yeah. It is very easy. So there's a lot of like that stuff that they can do. And most of the time it isn't even with the employees. It's most of the fucking people that go in there like, oh, well I bought it. I don't have a receipt, this and that. And at that point at AutoZone, they just teach you. They're like, dude, if a customer complains enough, just do it. You know what I mean? Like they don't care. Cause I mean, that's how businesses go out of, that's how businesses fail. Cause I remember at, um, at Sears for the longest time with craftsmen, you could just swap out tools. If they, they still do that, don't they? Oh, I don't know. Well, Sears yeah, is no yeah. longer around. Oh well, yeah. The craftsmen. <laughs> I remember going to, uh, to El Swami and then, uh, you know, I would, I would go with my parents as a kid. Right. And then, um, you know, they would grab like, uh, craftsman tools and then they would just swap them out at, uh, at Sears. Yeah. Yeah. Like nothing. That's what they did. That's. I think they try to do that at AutoZone too with the Duralast ones. Oh, really? They try to do that. They're like, oh, it says lifetime warranty. I'm like, yeah, but is it? You know, it's like, (laughs) dude, (laughs) beat it to shit. (laughs) Come on. The other day we're in here remodeling and uh, we don't, we didn't have tools. Like, so we had to go literally go buy tools and you can't really buy good tools anymore, unfortunately. Mm. So we had to go to Home Depot and we got uh, some Huskies, but we only wanted like one thing. We needed, what was it, 10 mil? Yeah, like a ten millimeter. We need a. You need to get a couple of those, dog. Those things, those things, <laughs> they, fucking, they disappear. <laughs> right? Well, we just needed the the like the wrench, mm-hmm. and they're una bien chingona way. This is que, uh, what is it called? What the the wheel inside? Oh, the self ratcheting. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I was like, esa está bien chingona way. Esta la ocupamos. We don't need a whole toolcase. We don't, we're not trying to go over budget here. Yeah. You know, we fucking run a tight business here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tight business, anyways. I find this like, you know, the perfect one, like I just mentioned, but it didn't have a fucking sticker on it. So I, me think me, I wasn't really thinking like I wasn't trying to be a criminal. And I was just like, I went up to someone like, yo, this shit doesn't have a price tag. And like you, you know, just generate a price tag. And then this motherfucker goes into the catalog. He's like, I can't find it. And then I, I'm like looking and I'm like looking. And I'm like, oh, I realized what they did. Someone just took like this one out of a whole set. Oh, it was like an assortment? Yeah, yeah, it was in a set. And then I I mentioned it to the guy and I was like, I think this is from a set. And he's like, well, it looks like you're going to have to buy the set. <laughs> or I could just put this in my pocket. At that point, he took it. But like it didn't resonate. It didn't hit me until after I was like, I could have just gone up to the front with a different 10 mil. And I've been like, hey, this one doesn't have a tag. And they could have price match or whatever. But my, I was trying to be a good guy. Yeah, see, that's what happens. That's you exactly just, you, what when you're when you're genuinely a good guy naturally, you don't think of shit like that. You know what I mean? Right. Like until this guy after. Was. <laughs> I was thinking. About, yeah, I was thinking about that. I had I had a whole plan already to yeah, do that. Yeah. It's, it's usually, like I that happens to me all the time where I'm like, fuck. Until after it happened, I'm like, damn, I could have done that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was literally thinking that like the guy would be like, oh, you know, we'll reprice it for you or whatever, and. My guy was over here. He's like, I was just going to put it in my pocket or go pay up front with another one. And I was like, I didn't think about that. So we ended up spending $100 on a set of tools that we didn't need. Yeah. That's how they get you, dude. That's why the snap-on trucks are always so good, dude. Because they're like, you could go get a little measuring tape or whatever and you leave. Have you ever bought anything from them? No, but I've heard horror stories. Horror stories. Really? Yeah. No, just how- What do they do? You just go in for one thing and you end up with like a $5,000 tablet because there's so much shit you need. Well, you don't need, but you want. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Next thing you know, they're dropping, they're like, you know, they're air dropping you a whole fucking chest with like a bunch yeah, of tools that you don't like, need. Hey, dude, this is only 200 bucks, but if you can't afford it, you can do $5 for the rest of your life a week. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that's how they get you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've wanted to get into tools, but it's expensive. It is. And I don't want, like I said, I, I would want some snap on. But... but I feel like that's the most adult thing to do. Like, yeah. I feel like. I was talking, having yeah. a good set of tools in your house it just makes you feel like yeah 
when we were when we were at the AutoZone, I was telling this fool like, dog, we need to buy like some tools like Home to, be, to be to be real men. Yeah, you know what I mean? like, like that's what you like. You going into your garage? Like I always see my neighbors and stuff like out there doing something in their garage and stuff. I'm like, dude, I literally just park my car in there and leave. You know what I mean? But I feel like having a good set of tools in the garage would just be a good deal. Because we yeah. spent like an hour in there. Yeah, we're, we're just, just walking around. Um, we're just looking literally at tools for like an hour. And at one point, I had like three sets of different tools. And I was like, do we need these? And like, we looked at each other and we're like, I think we do. Yeah, and then, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then, and then after I was like, wait, no, creo que like 10 mil. We came for a 10 mil and we're going to walk out of here with this. We put like half of the shit back. I mean, it makes you want to do projects. Yes. yes yeah. Like, oh, man, we don't need this tool, but if I decide to do this then I need this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I was looking around, like sometimes I'll go in there and then, you know, at the Home Depot and I'm like looking at lumber and shit and I'm like, oh, I could build a deck. I'm like, right? like I've always wanted a balcony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, first I need the land. <laughs> For sure. Holy shit. That was a weird ass fucking rant. No, mm -hmm. but it was fun. I love it. I, I, uh, I fucking love it. But um, yeah, man. Like, so you, fuck, we, were, we weren't even fucking talking about your career and shit. We we're just talking about fucking Home Depot. My auto zone. <laughs> auto zone and shit. Auto zone. Yeah. Good, man. Man. It adds to the story. For sure, man. It adds to all the background and everything that you, you know, you did to get to where you are. Uh and you're you're just talking about that you're a car guy. So you had the um you said you had the 350 that you mm -hmm. uh, that you crashed into a car can or into a the freeway on ramp. Yep, into that freeway on ramp, and it was a turned into a can. What did you get after that? Did you even have money to get anything? Or what were you doing? Like how were you? Getting I honestly around? don't remember. I think I got. Oh no, I got a, a neon SRT4. You guys remember those? Oh yeah, yeah I used SRT. to love those things. Turbo, Everybody right? loved those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love those things. Dude. Was it front wheel? Yeah, I'd probably still get one, dude. I, I don't know why, but those things, I've always loved those things. You know what I mean? Even though it's like the Dodge Neon's like the H&M of cars. It's like super disposable and stuff. Right. But it's, I, for some reason, I just fell in love with that car, dude. All these little fuckers out here in Hellcats and Scat Packs need to fucking tip their hat to them. Right? So that was the original, dude. Yeah. SRT4, sure. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember that was like in high school. Um, that was like the car that everybody wanted to get. Oh yeah, you know that I mean? one. You remember like the little Cobalt SS? SS yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the <laughs> little little that. And then yeah. they made the HHR SS, which is you're like, why'd you do that? But it's okay. Yeah, it was weird because like like that was such a the Cobalt SS was like it had balls for what it was. Well, I mean but that we were in we're that's also talking about a time where it's like the Ford Mustang V8 had 300 horsepower, you know what I mean? So like 200 horsepower was like ungodly. You yeah, know two, I mean? 300 yeah. horsepower was nuts. Now it's like everything has minimum 500, you know? Yeah, like uh, I'm a I'm a Honda guy. I'm a Honda and Toyota guy. And um, I, I can't afford it, but I always look at like the new S uh, Type R's. Mm -hmm. It's like it's an inline four. I mean, it's a four cylinder cranking out 325. Yeah, shit's crazy now. And it dumb just, light. Just talk about the the new GR Corolla. It's a three cylinder that makes three hundred something horsepower. You know, and they're I mean? dumb light. They're not yeah. heavy. Yeah, and it, and it's it's crazy. I think that was one of my most fun cars I've ever had. I had a ninety two Honda Civic hatchback, Ooh, and it was well. I put uh, I ended up putting you're a, talking to me a Honda Prelude H twenty two motor in it. Oh, okay, the H twenty two. Yeah, yeah, and that thing was at that time one of the fastest things I've ever had. Yeah, but. I did we didn't do it right. So the motor mounts gave out and the motor kept falling and it, oh, it almost that thing almost killed me a couple of times as well. But that was probably one of the most fun cars I've ever had as well. What the hell like what the hell happens when like the motor falls? Like what were you doing? You just stop right away. 
Because like it literally yeah, the, just car, fell. the car just yeah. yeah. Like I think one CV axle went one way, the other one went the other. The motor just the oil pan just started scraping on the ground, uh, along with the exhaust. It was just we had to just wait for a tow truck, and it was not fun at all. Holy shit! But yeah. I've learned after you know now that I got older, I'm just like I'm more hesitant to do stuff with cars now because I'm like it's this is a perfectly good car now. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like I like to still get into the car thing, but I don't like to go as extreme now. You know, like I'll right. put wheels, I'll put little things here and there. Nothing that's going to compromise. You're not doing an overhaul. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> not, not <laughs> of that anymore. Yeah. Or at least not with a car that I'm actually driving every day. You know, that right. was like my go to all the time. And that thing was not reliable at all. Yeah, I remember. Do you remember in high school when we uh, so we went to high school together and um, there was like, I don't know who the hell it was, but like somebody like donated two cars oh. to like the shop class. And they donated two identical TTs. Audi, Audi TTs turbo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they were like, they were dope as fuck. You know, they drove them in and working. Like, yeah. Working. Cosmetologist's favorite car. <laughs> like cosmetologist's no, favorite yeah. car. But this is like, like, just like to put in perspective, like I wasn't in that shop class. I, I don't want to talk about that, but I, I was going to go on a different way about that shop. Um, they, those TTs, this was like 2008 and those TTs were like 2006. They were relatively yeah, new. Yeah, they were nice. Yeah, they were basically seeds. new. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah they were and, nice. And you guys took one apart and couldn't put them back together. Yeah, yeah. We did. We did. <laughs> Actually, both of them. Really? At the end of the year, yeah. We like, you know, we're just like in there. They were just like, oh, do this, do that to the car, whatever, right? So people just started taking the cars apart. And by the end of the year, the, they were skeletons. Like two perfectly good working cars. We just left them as. I'm just honestly kind of pissed that you guys up. had a shop class. We had woodworking. We had that. No, we didn't have wood. <laughs> No, we didn't have wood. We did have um, we did have shop, but nobody did anything in there. Like there wasn't anything that was, you know, being taught that anybody, yeah. you know, took anything from. It was just like people in there fucking around. Then the teacher would just like go back to his desk and then we would go back to taking apart the car. Like uh, I'm going to I'm, I'm going <laughs> to cut this part out because I don't want to be on, on the podcast. So I'm just going to share with you guys. But there was a big, massive turbo diesel in that class. And I had it in my backpack because I didn't even go to that class. And but I just knew this guy told me, he's like, oh, there's a massive turbo diesel in there. And I was just like how much can i get for that like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, i was like this was craigslist days like you know i can sell this did you for... take it no i didn't it was oh. dumb heavy like I, oh but yeah, i put it in my backpack and then just my conscience i was like i don't want to get caught it's my senior year i can go to jail for this well so you're I, just like me you're, so i put it back nice. <laughs> yeah. i'm an asshole now <laughs> yeah. so that, that's how i was I, the one thing i tr i thought about stealing something at autozone it was a head gasket for my 240sx and i'm like i'm gonna it was like 40 bucks um, but I was like, I'm going to steal this. Like I talked myself into it the whole day. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to do this. And then I just got the head gasket and I slid it under the back door. Yeah. And I was like, I'll pick it up when I'm off. And literally like kept thinking about it, kept eating me up inside and stuff. And then literally maybe like two hours later, I run out, grab it and put it back where it was. I was like, <laughs> I, can't do this shit. I, was like I can't, I can't do this shit. That's hilarious. So like, there was nobody like going back there to take like a cigarette break. Like no one was going to go out that back door. No, no, there oh, was okay. nobody going there. But I, in retrospect, our manager at the time probably was doing some shady shit too, because yeah. uh, I don't want to say any names, but you knew he, <laughs> He knew we weren't going to say anything, but he would just, when he was hungry, he'd start looking at the little food thing that we have up front. Uh -huh. And then he'd get like a Powerade and like a Snickers and be like, remind me to pay for this when, when we get paid. Oh, yeah, I'm like, me. nobody's going to remind you, <laughs> yeah. dude. He started small. Yeah, I was like, that's yeah. how, I knew, I knew, you know. Damn Can you give me the Roku? That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, it's right here. There you go. You what, are we, what are we pulling up? 
Oh, because you, uh, I'm going to pull this up so you can see, because uh, when you when you started talking about um, the 92 Civic, that really uh, hit home, because I'm not, uh, that's the EG class. Yeah, it's an EG. EG. I'm an EF guy. Okay. Yeah, I'm an EF guy. Those are hard to find now, too. Very. But I don't like the hatch. I'm a, I'm a sedan four-door LX guy. Okay. Low so, key. Low key. So this, I, I was like on the brink of like buying this dog. Well, that thing's mint. Bro, it has a, it was like 90,000 miles. Uh, it was here in Arizona and I tried to talk to the guy cause he had it on eBay and, um, I was like, yo, call me. Like, I want to, I want to go see the car. Cause like this, I, I had one of these in uh, high school. I had a, a silver, a gray one, a 90, but this is 91, my birth year. And I wanted it. It's perfect. Like it was perfect for me. But then the guy was like, he's like, I'm not doing anything off eBay. And I'm like, my guy, like I li- you're in Gilbert and I'm like over here on the West side. Like I can just drive there. Please like, let me see it. And he's like, I'm not doing anything off. How much did he want for it? Uh, he, it was bit, he said he wanted 10 K, but he never sold it for what he wanted. Cause he only, it only reached uh 5,700, but this thing, it had all the records dude. Like it had all the everything. And this is still like my, my, uh, grail car. Well, there's something about like, I don't know, like an old Honda that just is really cool right? to that, drive in. Yeah. Right? Like, like that like crank? The, the musk. The, the musk something, yeah. you know? There's that very, there's that very unique uh, crank mm-hmm. that, it's, I don't know. Like these aren't even VTEC. Like this is, I think. Or the, the sound that it makes when you like put it all the way down, like when you like floor it and it just, you just hear. Oh yeah. But it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go yeah. anywhere. Like these, like these things only, I think they had like sub a hundred horsepower, but I wanted like, look, 96,000 miles. I don't think he sold it, but I, I don't, I didn't like the way he. I mean, nobody's trying to spend 10 grand on the EF right now. Not right now. In the recession. You know? Yeah. D, D15 B2 sedan automatic. And another thing, it has to be automatic. I'm not doing no. Yeah. No. Oh, even then like an automatic Honda, that thing's probably going to fucking, you're going to take. Three freeway exits to get to speed, you know. <laughs> For sure. Right. We almost got stuck in my EF at that uh, at that racetrack over there, Thunderbird. Oh yeah, we went to um, we went to Hot Import Nights. Was it the time I saw you? No, no, no. This we was a kids. long time ago. Oh, yeah, we were young. You were I remember back. Young. Was it when? Um, you remember when? Was it the year that uh, that Dodge Ram was on the dyno and it broke and it hit someone? Oh, no, I don't know. This was know. like two thousand seven or eight. No, oh, okay. Did it kill him? No. Oh, okay. Dude, that that was just a clusterfuck, bro. That hard and poor nights, like they put somebody. Is that still around? Uh, no. no. I think they the last one was a couple years ago. Now they have. Oh no, I saw you at Fuel Fest. That's a different one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I saw you. Fuel yeah. Fest is dope, bro. Yeah, that that was dope. I fucking love Fuel Fest. That's put. Uh, they put that was put. That's put on by um Cody Paul, Walker. Cody Walker, Paul yeah. Walker's brother, right? Mm-hmm. Shout out to Cody Walker. Come yes, on the podcast. Sir. Anyway, <laughs> that that no, that shit was dope. You were in um. I, because I saw you like hanging out with them. Did do you know them or like were you? Yeah, just, like, actually, out I them? met um I met Cody Walker through one of my friends, okay. and uh, he lived. Uh, he was always going to the racetrack, uh-huh. and we just always hung out there. And he would just always come by. And he's a super nice guy. And uh, one time, my friend just told me he's like, "Hey, I convinced Cody Walker to move to Arizona, so he needs some people to help him move out." So I was like, "All right, fuck it, let's do it." You know. Yeah. So we all went. We went to his house. We helped him move in and. That's just kind of how I've had my brief, inter, you know, interactions with him. And oh, okay. I actually didn't think he was going to remember me, yeah. but we went to Fuel Fest and he's like, oh man, how are you? Who are you doing? Like, how's yeah. this? Like, it's, it's cool. Like there's, 
he's actually like, you know, you have a certain expectation of people where it's like, hey, this guy might be like an asshole or something. No, this yeah. dude's genuinely like the nicest person you've ever met. You know, Paul Walker also seemed like a really nice guy. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I hope it runs in the family. Is what yeah, I'm saying. The, he was a he was a genuine car collector. He had um oh yeah he had three M threes uh. And there was only a hundred produ produced ever, and he had three of them of that like particular model. Yeah, let me look for it because it was fire. Yeah, no, the only the only reason I asked that is because I saw you like in the VIP section, and he was kind of hanging out with you guys, like yeah, you know. And that, uh, so it was, was I think kinda, it was, was him. Cool. It was it was Tyrese. Oh um, yeah, Tyrese, Vin, Vin Diesel, and Ludacris and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Vin Diesel. Showed Everybody up a was just kind of hanging out in that general direction and stuff. It was yeah. pretty cool. They were like signing autographs and all that. Did they like? Was there like? Did they even let you guys like hang out with Vin Diesel, or was he like? No, always, he like, was in the, the he was the one. Literally, he just kind of showed up, uh -huh. waved hi to everybody, and then just got back in a car and left. Like he was. Oh, I don't know man. if he had some place to be, but he was just kind of one of those that was like, out of all of them, he was the one that kind of just came in, left. He was kissed like, the baby, signed. Yeah, you know, literally, yeah. like huddled with over security and stuff. I think his son was walking around there too. Oh, word. and his son had like six security on him too because like. I don't even know who the hell he was, but I don't I was even like, know he, he seems yeah. important. He has I thought six he had young little kids. Yeah, I, I was know. like, you know, I was like, this dude's got six security. He might be somebody, you know? Right. But yeah, he was the only one that kind of like nobody really got to talk to because he was just in and out so so fast. Right. Yeah. I really liked the, uh, what they did with the, um, like with all that they had going on. Like usually like I've been to, you know, many um, car shows or whatever. And usually that's all it is. It's like a car show or whatever. And then like somebody might have a drag strip. And uh, but at that one, they had a drag strip and they also had the drifting. Well, yeah, they had drifting the show. They had the concert. They had a little bit of everything. And I think that's what he kind of likes. Oh, yeah, the too. concert. Yeah, yeah you're that's right. That's yeah. what he wants to like entail, too, because it's kind of almost like, you know, obviously I, I'm thinking he wants to bring his brother's legacy. You know how in the very first Fast and the Furious, it's all like a lifestyle thing. So I yeah. think that's what they wanted to do in the show, you know. Okay. Or the, the, the actual show. Yeah, um, like the event. Like yeah, the like, whole, the all, the like you know, the did. girls, the partying, all that stuff. Yeah. Like, Bring that scene. Race Wars. Yes. Race Wars. <laughs> yeah, race Did wars. you know that there's a new Fast and the Furious out? No. I knew, I knew. Yeah. yeah. I want to go watch it. Yeah. I mean, it, at this point, you have to. You know what I mean? Like, you're already, you're already nine in. You can't yeah, stop I, now. I, I stopped at like four. <laughs> you have to, man. You know. I, ha I, look, I, it's just, it's very difficult because se pasan de verga. You remember the video? It's, it's, it's como Mario Armada, bro. You se pasa de verga también. Never, you, know, you still watch it, dude. You know, Mario Armada never ran out of Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, you know, it's like there's, what's it called? Um, Who's the American Mario Armada? What's his name? Uh, John Wayne? No. John Wick? Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's okay. like Clint Eastwood, there's Mario Armada, and there's like the Fast and the Furious series. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they always have to do like outrageous shit. Yeah. And you're like, that's stupid, but you have to watch it. It's like, you know. It's a, it's it's like a, a guilty tradition. pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Like at this point, you're like, I'm so invested into this. I have to, you know. I remember I went to go watch um, the first one when it came out. Bro, I wanted one of those black uh, Civics that they had. Oh, yeah. Those <laughs> that they used to steal stuff. Yeah. yeah. I was like, dude. And then like all the little like underglow and stuff. Yeah. Oh, God, dude. That was, I think that's what got. That was honestly probably what like ignited my love for cars is that okay. movie just because it was like I always liked cars. I always liked all that stuff. But it was like that movie. I think it was such not only for me, but for a huge amount of you know people. It was such a yeah. like a crazy like this is awesome. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is this is dope. And I think that's yeah, that Civic. And I think um, what's it called? The one that I really liked was that uh, the Red Maxima that one of them had. Remember? Oh, the, the one, one where Paul Walker goes into his house, into, into their house, 
And then the guy gets pissed off that he's there, so he leaves. Oh, that was Vince. Yeah. But yeah. no, it's the blue one. It's the blue one. Yeah. Oh, the blue one. Yeah. The blue one. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Yeah. 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 I was like, dude, that thing's dope. Because my mom had a Maxima. So I was like, dude, this is a cool car because it's on Fast and the Furious. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? Yeah. And that was like my, I was like, yeah, that would be dope, dude. That shit was dope as fuck. The, look, these are the M3s I was talking about. Oof. Oh, yeah. And like, they were, I don't want to say there was a hundred, but there was like, it was, it was only a few hundred. Like, there wasn't many. And this fucker had multiple, uh, multiple ones. Well, I think there's somewhere where you can go see all his collection, isn't he it? Got auctioned. Oh, okay. oh, it got auctioned. The daughter, daughter inherited the estate, and um, I believe she auctioned everything off. Wow! But he had a crazy car collection. But this is what reminded me of you, like when you said, like, "There's a." I'm not gonna play the audio because it'll fucking take us down. But like, look how they're shooting. Like, look, <laughs> he's still going. He's telling you, dude. Look, nobody's <laughs> aiming down the sights. Look, my guy Antonio has a scope on his rifle, and he's not even using it. But anyways, I thought that was funny. That's a, that's how it is. It's that's literally Fast and Furious. You know what I mean? You're like, dude, why are they doing that? Well, no, doing but, stuff. Like very recently, I saw this thing where like everybody, comp someone compilated very uh, various scenes from like all the Fast and Furious, and like I saw what's uh, the Rock? He's mm -hmm. in a cast, and he's like, ah, breaks out of the cast. <laughs> oh yeah, they they make him seem so like it's it's literally the later the movies get, it's mostly just like who's the best like bigger man like rock or vin diesel because they start fighting each other like well, just like it's crazy to me because uh vin ended up like taking over and making that a franchise and he has like all the credit creative um direction direction does he really yes he does really yes Vin, huh. like he's i don't know if he's writing the scripts or anything like that but he has like a lot of a lot to say in that I mean, franchise I, I could now that makes a lot of sense now that the movie that i see the movies are like yeah this in mom yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. What, what was that movie where he's in space like he's uh he wears the goggles he, riddick red like, like, chronicles like, of riddick like yeah. bro like go back to that shit please <laughs> that sounds pretty dope right? it was good like yeah. i like that movie I think I just saw that movie a couple years ago. It took me forever to see it because that was good. Yeah, was I, I bought a boot like that as well. So you were one of the lucky ones that actually got the actual movie. <laughs> yeah, you know like, I remember I went to Mexico one time, bro, when Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift mm. uh, came out in theaters. And I was like, I'm going to go to, you remember the Yankees, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'm gonna, they always sell all those bootleg DVDs and stuff. And I saw that they had Tokyo Drift already there. And I'm like, bro, this literally is still in theaters. How the fuck do they have it? Yeah. So I bought it. I ran home and I saw it. And it was fucking uh, like uh, the initial D movie. Oh, that's sick too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like they're advertising it as Tokyo Drift, but it was like a completely different movie, you know? Yeah. It's fucking crazy, dude. What do you, uh, not, to, not to cut you off for such a subject, but what do you think about like the NSX? That's also like a, like a, Grail car That's pretty for me. dope. I, I love those cars. Yeah. yeah, they're super. I mean, you can you get a supercar performance with Honda reliability. You know what I mean? They, you can't argue with that. I yeah. just love how how retarded those Japanese people are when it comes to like cars, in particular, like the NSX. Like they had a, if I'm not mistaken, they had like its its own factory. It was built by hand, and they were always numbered. Like it was always very limited, but it was on one production plant, and that was it. When they when they stopped making the NSX, they shut that plant down. Oh yeah. Wow. It's nice. crazy because they do the similar thing with the GTR. Like only there's only four engine builders, I think four or five. So it's like when you open the hood, it tells you the engine builder and stuff. So it's like I I think Japan's just crazy when it comes to just building outrageous shit. Like the amount of power you can get out of an R35 GTR and like that's it's just like I don't know, man. They're just they're, they're next else, level, man. and they were yeah. doing that like you know 
almost 15 years ago oh, yeah. with the with the R35. Well, yeah, that whole and even then that whole gentleman's agreement they had back in the day with like the older, like the the 3000 GT, the Supra, the R34, all that stuff where they were all like they agreed to only make a certain amount of horsepower. It's like a oh, gentleman's really? agreement. Yeah. They had like a gentleman's agreement. They're like, hey, we're going to make these cars, but they can't exceed 276 horsepower. And then like they took him to a dyno and like most of them made like, you know, they advertised 276. So most of them made like 300 or something like that. Like, it's crazy, dude. Yeah. Like it, they're just on a whole different they're, level. They're next level right? with the with the engineering and the quality oh, yeah. of qual the, qual the quality of cars. I mean, they were next level years ago to date. I mean, Toyota still makes stuff in Japan, um, like the Forerunner, uh, I believe some Priuses. But like a lot of the stuff is and they're bulletproof to this oh, yeah. day, to this day. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the sorry. new taco's nice. Yeah, the new taco's dope. Uh, you know, we, we're going crazy. Sorry, guys. Like, Alfonso's a homie, so we're just talking a bunch of shit. <laughs> <laughs> just talking a bunch of dope shit. But um, segueing a little bit back into you personally, um, sure. but it still has to do with the car stuff. So mm -hmm. we're, we're still here. What kind of GTR did you have? Because you had one for a minute. Yeah, I had a... It was a 2015. It was a two, 2015 Black Edition, and that was... I think that was one of my most proudest moments that I had because growing up, I always wanted to get one of those. So it's like, if I can get one of these, I'll be happy. It was like uh, my attainable supercar dream. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it was super fun, dude. I, I, I absolutely love that car. I had that for, I think a little over a year, probably one of the fat, longer times I've had a car, you know, cause I like to switch through cars very fast, but that thing Man, it was it was it was amazing, dude. It was one of the most fun cars, reliable. They're super daily drivable. It was it was full bolt on E85, and that thing was a monster, bro. It was it was amazing. I love that thing. I still want another one now. Yeah, no, I, I remember when uh, I think with the, like the first time uh, that I met you, you still had that car, and I was just like, man, this shit is dope. Like this, it, like it looked like it was all blacked out. Yeah, I yeah. love that thing, dude. It was it was amazing, dude. I. I and I miss it the more I think about it. They still they're still making the R35, right? Yeah, they're making like subtle tweaks to it and stuff, but now dude, it's it's insane. Like just with car prices nowadays, I think back in the day when they first came out, they were like 80, 90k. Now Reasonable. like real ones, like the brand new ones are like 150, 140 and stuff and it's like is that MSRP or um or marked up? I think I think that might be marked up. I don't remember, but even then it's like why am I paying in it doesn't just, I can't justify spending that much on a GTR and a new GTR because it's, it's essentially the same thing as a 2009, 2015, all that it stuff. Doesn't change. Like, you know what I mean? Like if they would have made some crazier tweaks to it, yeah, that's justifiable. But you know, essentially I'm not going to pay double what original MSRP was for a newer version of the same shit. You know what I mean? What did you think about the new SNSX that they've now discontinued? Did, have, did you did you never looked into it? I've honestly God, I forgot about that fucking car. It's yeah, dope. I had I had the opportunity to go look uh right before I or after I sold my Huracan. Uh the the guy that sells me my car, his name's Travis, he told me he's like, dude, you gotta look at an NSX. You gotta look at an NSX. He's like, he told me he's like, the NSX is almost like it's it, a lot of supercar guys don't like to classify it as a supercar because it's a Honda, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I love that thing. And I never, he always begged me to go. He's like, dude, drive it and you won't regret it. Drive it and you won't. And I've never got, I still beat myself up for it because I never got the chance to drive it. And I ended up getting the McLaren instead. But that's another car that he tells me, he's like, bro, he's like, everybody that I know has one absolutely loves it. But, yeah, they look really nice. Like oh, they're, yeah. And they're, I mean, for what it is, it doesn't seem like the price tag is 
little crazy. Well, no, because it's like, if you look at it, like if you look at any other supercar, um, for the most part, supercar owners are very weary about the miles that they have. They don't want to drive it. They don't want to put too many miles on it because miles on a, on a supercar or an exotic car at that level really devalues it. You know what I mean? Because they know that like, um, maintenance is going to get, yeah. Expensive. Like for example, like my Huracan, it, you know, I had to do like a $30,000 or 30,000 mile maintenance. You have to do this, this and that. And that all ends up, you know, getting pricey and stuff. So a lot of people usually like to sell cars before they have a major maintenance or anything like that. And with an NSX, it's basically similar, but at the end of the day, you still have that Honda reliability that you could beat the shit out of it every day, take it to the track and come back, change the oil and you're fucking you're good, good to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah. why I love that uh, S2000 too. Mm-hmm. Cause that, that was a beast. Oh, the S2000s were nice. Then what mm-hmm. was it a... Uh, I don't remember, but it was a 2.0. It yeah, was, it was a, a K24? I think F, no, F20. F20, okay. Yeah, and then F20. And those things are crazy, too. Real those things are six speed. going up in value as well. You know Dude, I, mean? I'm, I, I regret not buying like when, when I was a little younger because used to be able to get like low mile and S2000s. The, what was it called? Because the AP1, AP2, that's what they yeah. were. Oh, yeah, yeah, AP1, yeah. AP2. They, I, I like the AP2 more than the one. Is that the newer body style? Yeah, the subtle like exchange. Like subtle, different, like bumpers and stuff? Yeah, the front the front bumper changed. They made it a little bit more aggressive. It was uh, had like more curve, like uh, just more aggressive. Yeah. The wheels changed. The only, the one cool thing about the the AP1 that the two didn't have was that the two, the one had a, it, it maxed the rev at 9K. Oh, yeah. And the two, I think they brought it down to like seven or eight. I think, and that was the first car that actually had like the, you know, the Stop. red push button yes. start and you're like, oh, Dude, that's okay, dope. Yeah. You know what I mean? You still have to turn the key and turn it on. But that was like the first thing that like, I think that introduced me that I'm like, Dude, that's kind of dope. Start. You know what I mean? Like, I, Cause my dad used to work at a, a Honda dealership many years ago. Um, and I remember like in 1999, he brought over the, um, the, 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 what do you call it? The brochure. Mm-hmm. Oh, the brochure. The brochure. And he's like, this is a new sports car that Honda's coming out with. And I was like, Fuck out of here <laughs> like yeah. honda sports cars yeah. right but uh, he was you know they were onto something that, that's another thing i think one of i regret like you said not buying those when the time was right because another thing like you you know what an e46 is an m3 yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i had an e46 <clears throat> m3 in a molar red and i bought that thing for like five thousand dollars and then i sold it for six thousand and i would have wow. kept and if I would have kept it today, you, you can't find one for less than like 20 grand, 25 grand and stuff. And it's fucking crazy. Same thing with my RX-7. Is it, is it 46, you said? E46, yeah. It's like the body style That's after the, the one 36, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, it's the next one after the 36, yeah. okay. And Early I, 2000s, late? Two, it was late like 2003. Yeah. And in my opinion, I think, I'm, I think that's one of the best looking cars ever made. From BMW, I mean, I'm not a BMW guy, but I, I do like the E36, like the mid-90s mm-hmm. to late-90s. And then I think that's the last, the 46 was the last nice, cool body Yeah, that was like... They're so recognizable. Yeah, they're recognizable. Mm-hmm. It was, it, it's not outdated. Like, you can't tell that it's an mm-hmm. outdated car. It was still like, I think the motor was still like not really super electric, like mm-hmm. with the new ones. Yeah. Yeah, everything's like inline six, twin turbo, a lot of technology. The E46 is like the first one that's like still like a driver's car. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was super dope. For sure. And uh, I mean, you said it yourself, you've had, you know, you go through cars, uh, you know, pretty often. Uh, what's been like the the funnest car you've had? Because hoy llegó en Mercedes AMG, el, el muchachón. Hoy llegó en Mercedes. It's... I don't know, man. It's it. I think 
the reason why I go through cars so much is because I just really haven't found either. I'm not giving it enough time mm-hmm. or I just haven't found a car that really is that fun for me. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think as far as like fun, I mean, it depends like what you're looking at of a car. You know what I mean? Sure. If it's like fun, daily drivable stuff, <laughs> I think either the GTR or the Huracan were cool. And out of it, you get like a cool experience out of it. You know, you get a lot of looks and stuff like that. Yeah. As far as like, fun like balls to the wall stuff the mclaren was cool when it wasn't broken you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. that was one of those things you know so it really depends what it is um what was wrong with it because i remember it was in your garage for a minute right like just sitting oh dude this is the crazy story i never asked you i wanted to ask you and i forgot about it i filmed the tiktok uh-huh and to where i needed to keep opening the door constantly because i had to remake it okay and in those times that i was remaking that tiktok the battery died Mm. so the next day i was about to get i was like i'm gonna I'm gonna take it out tonight so i get in the car and it would not work it absolutely would not work so could you get could you even get into it like were you able well to no in order it? for you to get into it because it has the pop doors in order for you to get into it i had to um the oh, crack my key open it had another key i had to go under the headlight pop something that popped the door open and then after that i had to um go get a trickle charger because McLaren was charging me an absurd amount of money to go get it looked at when I'm like, I know it's the battery, you know, it's the only thing it could be, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so I went to AutoZone and I got a trickle charger. Shout out AutoZone. Yeah. Right. And then, um, I, uh, I sound like a fucking asshole now that I'm like, Oh yeah, I used to work here. Now I need a trickle charger for my McLaren. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so I got a trickle charger and, finally got it to turn on and then i was driving it around to get it to, get it to charge mm-hmm. and then literally i was driving at 40 miles an hour and the door just fucking opened on its own oh fuck. Yeah. And, I, and it just and it's just a huge like warning sign i'm like what the fuck is going on so i grabbed it turned it back off uh like let it sit for a little bit and turned it back on left it did it again and then i called mclaren i'm like yo this thing's trying to kill me you know yeah. and um it turned out that like uh McLaren's like, oh yeah, just for us to look at it is going to be like three thousand dollars, and it needs this, it needs that. And I was like, I'm not going to pay you this shit for all that, you know. Yeah. So I call another shop, and then they ended up just telling me that usually when you change the battery, the kind of computer kind of freaks out. So um, the computer was thinking that it was like parked, so it would just pop the door open oh, while okay. I was driving, and I literally I just needed to like reset it, and it was good. But it's like, why can't the fucking computer think right? Why can't like, the computer say like when it, when you're doing that, it's not clocking miles, right? It's like, <laughs> 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 it's miles. This guy's got a death wish. Okay, <laughs> you know, it's just that was one of the most I think heartbreaking, most temperamental cars I've ever had. Yeah, there was always something up with it. Yeah, it, it was to the point where I didn't even like driving it. You yeah. know, not only that, and then that on top of the fact that it's like, it's a very obnoxious looking car and it was bright orange on top of that. So it's Papaya. like, yeah. yeah, it was one of those things where, I mean, contrary to what I'm, you know, I sound right now, it's, I'm a very shy person and I don't like a lot of attention, but driving a car like that does. So it's like, I feel like there's a sense where you driving that thing, people are automatically like view you some type of way and automatically are very like apprehensive and like asshole-ish to you because they think you're going to be an asshole. You know what I mean? And I just didn't like that, you know? Yeah. Did you get a lot of dirty looks in your supercars that you've had? Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of, um, uh, there was a lot of uh, things that were said, a lot of like, you know, like I remember one time I was going to Quick Trip in the McLaren and 
you know, I don't know if you guys know, but the little sandwiches that they make there are fucking bomb. Oh, yeah, they make good food. Yeah, yeah the sandwich, so, the chicken shits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I got one, right? Yeah. I got one and I was walking out and I had a Red Bull and a sandwich and the guy, uh, and I'm very lucky that I'm like super witty and sometimes I say shit I shouldn't say. And um, he goes, isn't it a little obnoxious that, you know, somebody driving a car like that's eating something like that? And I go, oh, they were fresh out of caviar. I checked. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like you, they, people automatically like just want to be dickish to you because of something, you know. And um, so that's another thing that's like you kind of, you know, sometimes you get super, you know, cool people that are like legitimately. Like, oh, can I sit in? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not that type of person where I'm like, fuck you. You know what I mean? I'm I'm. I worked hard for what I have and what I built. And I know that this is something that not a lot of people have access to or would see. Right. So it's like, if somebody genuinely asked me and wants to do it, like I, I'll let him drive it. I'll let him do it. Like to me, it's all materialistic shit. Like it doesn't matter to me. I'm not like, Oh no, don't touch it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it just all depends on the interaction that you start with me, you know? Right. Cause there's a lot of people that do just, you know, have a chip on their shoulder or something. They just want to be a dick. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a cool thing to have like a supercar would be dope. You know what I mean? So there you go, guys. If you ever see Alfonso on the road, let him, you know, ask wave him to me down. <laughs> yeah, wave him <laughs> down. Ask him to drive it. <laughs> but yeah, like I would pull up in a McLaren to McDonald's and why am I going to stop being what I, who I am just, right? because, just because I have a fucking supercar? That doesn't mean the hot and spicy is not good anymore. I still love their breakfast. Yeah. It's good as fuck, bro. They need to be the snack wraps back though. Oh. They don't do those anymore? No. They haven't bro. done that shit for years, dude. I never, I never did them. So, what? I never did. I, it, that's the it's like a tortilla with egg and. Yeah, it was, it was no, basically no, a chicken. No, it was, it was yeah, a chicken like, tender inside yeah. of a tortilla. Oh, I never tried those. What? No, no. bro. I, you know what? I still haven't tried from McDonald's is a McRib. Oh, really? they're gone. No. Yeah. Indefinitely. Yes. No. So that's what. Yeah. It's, it's all hype. They always. Yeah. Say. It's probably. Yeah. Yeah. You know that makes you so excited to get it later. It's like know? these hats. Yeah. <laughs> For a limited time, get them now. Yeah, get them now. No, like the shamrock shake. Dude. Oh, the yeah. shamrock shake. That because that and then um. Yeah, I think the McRib, they always say it's gone and they somehow appears again. I, you know what? I never I never heard that it was gone. But like this last time they were, you know, they made it a whole thing like it's gone. So like I went like I and I had my last one. Like, like who knows? They're going to come back with some bullshit like, oh, the Travis Scott McRib. <laughs> the Travis Scott it comes McRib. with three pickles. <laughs> it comes with shoelaces. <laughs> shoelaces. Yeah. But they have like the Cardi B meal and it's literally like a hot and spicy with a Sprite. And that's literally how yeah, I had, had a Cardi B McDonald's shirt on yesterday. Really? Yeah, I had, yeah, I had a Cardi B McDonald's shirt. She did a collab. Did you end up getting all those... Um, Remember we had the battle about trying to get the oh yeah we had the we had the battles with the CPFM uh, monitos you know what I'm talking about no the ca cactus plant flea market um did a collaboration with McDonald's who's that they're a brand okay that's a brand but anyways um they put out uh they put out the uh in the Happy Meals like in the adult Happy Meals they put out the monitos it mm -hmm. was a little toy and um but you would never know which one uh you would get and on top of that they were sold out all the time. Like you would go to the McDonald's and be like, you know, let me get the the thing, and then you know, sometimes they'd be like, oh, we're out of monitos, and then I'd be I like, don't ah, want it anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're only here for that. Huh? Yeah, yeah, we were only there for that. And then, or sometimes like this would irk me too. They'd be like, oh, we're out of the box, and then I'd be like, man, fuck you. Like I don't want this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> didn't you collect? Uh, didn't you do? Didn't you get toys from them? Travis toys. Which ones did you get? No, I got the. Those were the ones. Yeah, those the were the ones. They, had, they, had like they were in Travis though. Stuff like that. I thought you said they sent you one. Oh, oh, the 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 monitos that I got that were sent to me were um. I remember when Cos did the collaboration with the with the cereal. Oh yeah 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 yeah. So um, they had this thing on the back that said uh you know uh 
That was McDonald's. Text this dad. number or like, you know, and you might have a chance to win some monitos or whatever. And then so I did it. And then uh, and then like maybe like three months later, I got an email that said, uh, you know, you won. You won the sweepstakes. You know, you're getting the cause toys. And I was like, oh, fuck, like I'm getting the cause toys. And then uh, they came in, bro. And it was some bullshit. They were like this big. They like this big. They were like this big and they were like this flat. Yo, did, was uh, was it worth it with all the collecting all those box tops? Fuck. No. <laughs> do you remember box tops? Fuck, no. Dude, I remember trying to fucking my parents wouldn't let me do that though. I, I can never do that either. either. Send these. I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. And it costs money to send them. So yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. You know how much stamps are? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. how many boxes of cereal or uh, gogurts you had to buy? Oh yeah. Oh dude, oh, dude. Gogurts and Lunchables were a luxury for me. Like my Same. parents, my parents only bought me that if I had a field trip going on. Like yeah. so, that was like now that I'm older, like I'll get Lunchables all the time because it's like I was like, dude, I'm now I'm an adult. I'm gonna do it myself. But it's right. like before I would always go to the store. And I'm like, can I get a Lunchable? They're like, no, like, no, 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 no. Unless you had yeah. a field trip. Yeah, unless there was a field trip, then I got the little Capri Sun. The, yeah. But I liked the Lunchables, the one that was like. That you squirt your own like oh the pizza the ones pizza yeah the one. pizza ones yeah. those were my shit those were Damn, I, I like those but I was a I was a cracker guy really yeah I like I like the the ham and the the cheese the cracker right I like yeah. the pizza but I never I never went for that one I don't know why the pizza just like I don't know sabes wey sabes por qué no 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 agarré el pizza muy seguido porque no sabes si me va a gustar y no quería que I didn't want to be disappointed yeah, we'll see. That was the only reason. That's the like, really Yeah, one. those those ones are tricky, bro. Sometimes you'll get like a cold ass one, and then the the what's in, what's it, like masa is all the dough. Like, oh, yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's, it's like squishy, like, yeah, right? Like, oh, yeah. dude, like that's yeah. disgusting. It's like yeah. fuck. Give me the give me the cracker from church. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude, like hostia. Yeah, yeah. Hostia. Dude, that's, that's how I fucking. Bro, what the fuck is that? Like, what is a, it's like, a cracker? With yeah, all due respect, dude, wait, they, 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 they sell those things at. You can go to any place in Mexico. They'll send them by the dozen, dog. Right, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a big difference. Yeah, I always thought like what it, like what were the ingredients? It's uh, it's like literally probably like a saltine cracker type thing. I don't know. No, they're super thin. Yeah, they're yeah. really thin, yeah. but who knows, right? Maybe it's like eggshell. No, or what? No. What? No. Well, it's kind of like the Asian people with the um, the rice paper. Oh, with the rice paper. Is it rice paper? I think so. Like yeah. a seaweed? Maybe. Yeah, like that too. That's another thing that's Max. You guys ever tried like seaweed chips? Uh, no, I've, I've tried. I've tried them before. They they have a strong taste though. Yeah. They smack or good? Um, it depends. I like them. Oh, you okay? Yeah, they're fucking. They're a good little snack. Like if you're just doing, you know, there's one of those things. It's like. You know how in Mexico, when you go to bars, they have like the little nuts and stuff that you eat and you're just like eating them. You're not hungry, but you're just eating. that's it's like that. It's one okay. of those things that you're like, they really don't taste like anything, but because I, I just want to keep eating them. Yeah, I just had I had beet chips recently and they were disgusting. Beet, beet chips? Beet. Oh, beet. I'm like, yeah, beet. yeah, yeah. I don't know how to spell it. Doesn't it. sound too appetizing. Right? Not, like not too long ago, I went to the like one of those Asian supermarkets. Lambs. Yeah, lambs or whatever, <laughs> whatever they're called. And I bought um salmon chips. Huh? It's, like, salmon. it's basically like the skin. Uh, oh, like all dried? Yeah, like all yeah. dried. Yeah, like it, it was pretty good, but um, it did have a, a pretty strong fishy taste. So. You have to put some like um, I think I have the same thing. They're salmon chips, but they have like almost like bread on the outside. Like they're almost like tempura style. Oh, okay, that's good. That's just bomb. Yeah, it, it's bomb. They're super salty and spicy, but they're they're good. They're Salt's not bad for you. I don't, I don't know. It'll keep you hydrated. It does. It really does. <laughs> yeah, it does. yeah, there's a misconception about taking salt. Yeah. But um, 
I don't know. I, this shit has gone on so fucking crazy that Ryan's everything else. It's about than, nothing, yeah. But I love a, it. It's amazing. Yeah, that's the point, man. Right? Isn't that the his concepts and nonsense we're talking about all this stuff? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like you know, some people might want to hear about this or that, but hey, guys, you know, you're here for the ride, and this is who we really right. are. We'll, you know we'll I mean? sway back into it. Yeah, we'll sway we back into have a it script at some here. point. Yeah, there's no script. Sorry, guys, but um. Uh, I was gonna ask you. You're you're right. You're in, in Mesa, right? Is it Mesa? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're you're in Mesa. All right, um, how you know like with the with the shop being there? How long have you had the shop now? 2016. So what is that? Seven years ago. Seven years. Yeah. This doesn't have anything to do with what I was gonna ask. But how, um, what were you tattooing before there? Where? Yeah. Uh, it was a place in in Mesa as well. It was called Diamond Body Art. It was on like Crispin and Southern. It's actually the guy that taught me to tattoo. I was working out of him, and then one day I just that was then. So that was the last place you were working. Yeah, really I only worked at yeah, I only worked shop. at one tattoo shop before I went out and I opened my own. Jeez. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. gotcha. Okay, I wasn't sure like how many like tattoo shops that you'd been to. No, it was just one, and then after that, I just kind of it was actually my sister that talked me into it because uh, she's like, "Why don't you just open your own?" I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I want to. I don't know what to be into it. And she's actually like the one that kind of like pushed me. She's like, I'll help you out. Like, I'll help you do the research. I'll help you do all that stuff. And yeah, yeah it was honestly because of her that kind of like pushed me into like finding more info about doing it. And yeah, that's how it but turned she, out. She wasn't, uh, she, was, she doesn't have anything to do with tattooing, right? She was just helping you. Yeah, she was just tattoo. helping me with the stuff. And um, then uh nowadays she helps me with like the whole back end of stuff like she's the one that makes sure all the bills are paid she's the one that does all that stuff so oh, cool. she's like my smart back end person you know sure. the one that helps me get a little load off of my back yeah what 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 is that though like uh like i see that you know there's a lot of shops right mm-hmm. there's a lot of shops everywhere so like why why don't people like what's the what's holding a lot of people back from opening their own shop would you like in your opinion Cause I mean, it seems like you just did it. You know? um, I mean, it, I know it wasn't easy, but like, I'm sure, you know, like there was, I, I mean, feel like a lot of things to, to, you know, hurdles and stuff, but there's just different types of people, man. Like, I feel like as far as like motivation wise and like as, then the zoning wise, there's a lot of, it's, it takes a lot of planning to do where you want it to be yeah as far as like where you are allowed to as opposed to where you're not and then after on top of that you have to worry about if the city allows it then you have to worry about if the landlord allows it and um it just takes a lot of research and like in the legality you know aspect of it and um a lot of people a lot of tattoo artists i feel like this is something that i've always wanted to talk about that um and I don't mean this about all of them, but I feel like a lot of the tattoo artists nowadays are very irresponsible as far as like, they don't have a set plan as to do it. Like they know that they're like, Hey, I want a tattoo and that's it. Mm -hmm. They don't have any dream after that. You know what I mean? And then some of them, some of them do say like, Hey, I do want to start a shop eventually or something, but um, very few kind of, you know, take that entrepreneurial step to doing something out of that. You know what I mean? So I feel like a lot of people, are uh very complacent and content and being like hey i'm just gonna work here and a lot of people like you know half of the people that are in tattooing like the whole flexibility of it they like the fact that they can make their own hours come and go when they please there's really not like a hierarchy in tattooing you know what i mean yeah so i feel like to some people it could be a thing where if they were to open up their own shop it could mean that they're more like 
stuck in one place yeah having the ability to kind of go and you know oh okay so just kind of get up and go and yeah so it's like they like the whole like hey i can the lifestyle yeah because a lot of people like um i've met a lot of tattoo artists that just genuinely don't want to open up a shop because they just want to um like be able to pack up and travel the world and go tattoo in thailand go tattoo in argentina go somewhere because one of the fun things about tattooing is it, it is one of the very few jobs that literally you could put all your stuff in a backpack and travel and do it anywhere. You know what I mean? And I think that's what intrigues a lot of people. And like I said, by having a tattoo shop in a set location, it might kind of restrict them from doing that, you know? Right. Yeah. We were t- a, li- a little earlier, we were talking about um, how it was so cool that like the S2000 was like the first car that had like a button to start it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything like that that's translated into tattooing? Like how, like how has technology like integrated itself in there? Like I've seen people like um, tattoo with, um, what do you call them? The, were they machines? You guys call them yeah, machines? machines with machines that are like completely wireless. Are those, are those good or is it like, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, that's honestly what most of the people use now. I, yeah. that's what I use. That's what everybody at the shop uses now. Right. Um, it's. It's just a complete preference thing. You know what I mean? There's still a lot of people that are very like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing that are like, I still want to use coil machines. I still want to do this. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that one's better than the other. One might be a little better for a certain style than others. Like a lot of people that usually do traditional tattoos, like, they, uh, you know, keep coil machines, all that stuff. Um, but I think in the last couple of years, or at least in the 10 years that I've been in, things changed massively dude like we've gone from like having the little power boxes that you had to like turn the voltage and make sure your machine was running right to now you just basically just charge your uh you charge your machine at the end of the day and you fucking get up tattoo um instead of drawing stuff on paper and being like hey you like this you don't like it then having to redraw it now we have that whole like digital era that's come up and like now you have an ipad that like charges you know that you can come and go into all of this you know you don't like this size all right let me make it smaller instead of you having to redraw the whole thing doing all your shit yeah so it's like it's the digital era a lot of people are hesitant about it where it's like oh like it's gonna ruin tattooing and not and it's like i feel like it's a little hard to explain but i've i've had this question where everybody's like oh do you think like ai or or there's what if there's like a machine that just you just put your arm in there and it does a tattoo and i go yeah that'd be cool but i feel like something that i really love about tattooing is that imperfections is what makes the art art you know what i mean like you don't want you don't necessarily or i personally wouldn't want something that's completely perfect like laser etched on my body you know what i mean it's almost like something like that's not going to have the same stylistic appearance or aesthetic that somebody that hand drew it or personally put their own touch into it is going to have so it's i think that's what's going to really set or you know set us aside from the whole technology thing where yeah we use technology we use a lot of digital stuff and tablets and stuff but at the end of the day when we transfer it to tattooing it's still our style that is in that tattoo you know what i'm saying but we have the help of the technology but at the end when it comes to putting the ink on the skin it's our own personal touch and stuff we might change a little things here and there that gives that tattoo a whole different thing than what was on that image do you get what i'm saying yeah yeah Yeah. i completely Mm -hmm. understand for sure what was the uh what was the uh, decision to black out the arm? What was that about? Oh man, that was uh cover up grandma. Yeah, this was <laughs> this this was a big thing. It was one of those things where I just personally always liked the aesthetic of 
a black arm with like gold jewelry and stuff. Okay. Um, and it was one of those things where it's like, I wasn't completely happy with what I had on my arm. It was just a bunch of stuff that I had when I was younger, that it was like a cover up on a cover up on a cover up. And, um, there was just like almost no hope to make it any better. And I was, you know, one day I was just like, Hey man, I hit my buddy up. I was like, you have any time? And he's like, yeah, it's like, let's just black out my arm. And we probably got, well, we got halfway into it. Yeah. And I just couldn't do it anymore, man. That shit sucked. No. Yeah, <laughs> are you going to, are you going to finish? Oh it? yeah. I'm going to do it all the way up, but okay. it was just, it was a pain. Yeah. Saying. It was, yeah. it was crazy as far as healing everything. Cause it's just, you know, it just healed like a whole sheet of paper. It healed fast. Like shout out to the my black? boy Kev. Yeah. Like shout out to my boy, Kevin Torrance. He did the whole thing and it's super solid. And I feel like it's one of those things where only tattoo artists will really see how well it's done because to, other people, it just looks like it's black. You know what I mean? Right. But to an artist, you'll see how solid it's packed, how it's not like choppy. It's not anything like only. How many times artist. was that over? It was just once. Oh, just once? Yeah. Damn. So it's like I've seen blackouts where people, it looks like they just got mauled by a bear. You know what I mean? Like it looks all choppy. Like they can't get it done, this and that. And like um, there's a lot, you know, so sometimes somebody wants to get like a blackout and they're like, oh, that you're charging me this much for for this it's just like some people don't understand like the craft it takes to make something look like it's not that hard you get what i'm saying yeah there's yeah. some technique yeah. to it mm -hmm. and that's one thing where um yeah i mean he did a great job and i can't wait to keep doing the rest but i have a thing where i only like to get tattooed like once a year because it sucks yeah yeah <laughs> i seen someone um have like a blacked out arm and then they got like laser etched mm -hmm. uh into it Oh, like, oh, yeah, I saw that, too. Have mm -hmm. you seen that? I've seen a lot do that. They do the, like, the white ink over it and stuff. And, oh, okay. I mean, I'm very kind of, I don't know how that would heal, you know? I don't want to say, if it, I mean, if it heals great, that's fucking awesome, you know? But, I, in, yeah, in my experience, there's stuff that just, you know, like, I've seen white itself uh, after a couple of years, you know, because the skin goes into a couple layers under your, you know, your actual skin. So, uh white usually doesn't stay very white for long over a couple over the course of time like your skin grows over the ink and yeah. it'll give like a yellow tint to it so there's like i don't know i mean there's i've never seen one i'm not going to say that they're doing something wrong or anything because i've never seen one healed but that's just from my experience you know right so it's like if it looks cool it looks cool for the picture but we'll see what it looks like healed in a couple of years you know? yeah that's all yeah, <laughs> yeah. Once it settles in right yeah for sure i know a, a lot of tattoo artists um they have like uh, different uh, styles that they that they work, uh, you know, work on, like whether it's like realism or like, you know, different little things, portraits or whatever. Um, is there anything that you struggle with personally that you're like not struggle with maybe, but that you're pretty good at, but that you could get better at that you're like constantly working on or like it's a thing for you? I mean, there's a lot of things that I think in my tattooing career that I've always tried to get better at. Yeah. Uh, one of my core artists who's a friend of mine. He always told me, if you hate doing something or if you feel like you're not good at something, make it your favorite thing. And that way you keep like, yeah, progressing, progressing on thing, it. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like um, when I first started and every time I did portraits, I would always be afraid to do hair. Oh, okay. Like hair. I was just like, dude, like I can't like I don't know how to do it. I just can't get it to look right. I can't do this. And um, one time I ended up just trying and kept trying to make it a thing. Like that's why I didn't like to do animals and stuff. And then one time it just kind of clicked that I was like, all right, I'm going to keep trying to make it happen. And I just kept trying different styles, different things to do like different fur textures, different things. And then 
one day I just ended up finding something that actually worked and then it just automatically turned. Like there was a point where I hated doing lions, anything animals with fur, hair, anything. Yeah. And then I got, I found a technique that actually worked really well for me. And now that's like literally one of my favorite things to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now it's to the point where I used to hate doing cover ups. I used to hate doing all this stuff, but um, there's a point where a couple clients that are getting way more work from me wanted to cover up and it's like, I won't necessarily do a cover up, but if you're getting like the rest of your body with me or anything like that, like I'll do a cover up. Cause if not, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, I've been experimenting with cover ups and I've really enjoyed it. So that's, I think that's something that I keep want to keep like venturing into and like working on and seeing if there's a, uh, something you can do. Cause I mean, tattooing, uh, itself is very satisfying, but seeing somebody, extremely like like happy over something that they were originally unhappy with yeah is is a really cool feeling you know what i mean like somebody's right. like it's unhappy unique, with something yeah. and then they're like oh shit you turned that into this and something that they're actually proud of you know yeah um like for example i had a tattoo that i did a couple i think it was last week he had a koi fish and it actually looked like he was completely he says from the moment he got oh, it done I it was saw, it yeah. was like complete you know and like i i told him i was like hey man like i'm let me do what I can with it and stuff. And I did. And at the end of the day, he just messaged me. He's like, yo man, he's like, I'm super excited for this. He's like, for the first time since I got it, it's the time that I've actually been like happy with the tattoo. And I like that, you know what I mean? So that was a really cool text that I got. And uh, that's just something I kind of want to keep venturing into more, like more cover-ups and seeing what I can make happen with that, you know, style. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because mm-hmm. I, I remember when I first met you, um, you mentioned it, that you don't do cover-ups. I mean, I didn't have any tattoos yeah. when I met you, but like, mm-hmm. you were like, oh, I don't do cover-ups and stuff. And and then I saw, I did see that koi fish that you posted. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I just had a thought to myself. I'm like, damn, yeah, I hope he keeps doing it because like, it looks really good. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I was very strict at first. Like, I didn't want to do script. I didn't want to do cover-ups and stuff. And um, there's still like a lot of tattoos that I not saying that the idea suck, but there's just a lot of tattoos that I've done so many times that I just don't want to do anymore. You know mm-hmm. I mean, like I yeah. tell them, I tell people that I'm out of stock on them. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like we ran out. Yeah. It's like, there's like, when it comes to like, um, like doves, um, clocks, compasses and stuff like those are things that I've just done so many times. You're over not going to tattoo uh, someone's, uh, birth coordinates on there. Yeah. Head. See, it's like stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. That I'm like, dude, I just, I'm sorry. I was like, I'm not telling you your idea sucks. It's just like, I just personally don't want to do it. You know what I mean? And I'm very thankful that I've reached a point in my career to where I can pick and choose my clients. Not necessarily. That's why I tell them, I'm like, I'm not telling you that your idea sucks. It's just, I like it's to, not for me. Yeah. Like I like to be confident with every tattoo that I do that I'm going to do a good job with it that I'm going to vibe with you that I'm going to do all that and I tell him I was like I think it's better off if you you know I'm not the artist for you you know because it's like I don't want to do something that I'm not going to be excited to do you know what I mean sure Mm -hmm. yeah no that makes sense and for anybody listening or watching out there what's something that you do like enjoy doing or that like you're you're looking forward to doing in the future like as far as style um yeah man I just I love horror movies, bro. I think that's one of the main tattoos that I have. I have a bunch of um, horror portraits and um, anything horror movie, like just nostalgic stuff. You know, I had this style that I started doing recently that I really enjoy doing. It's more of like um, like a very like pop art realism. You know what I mean? So it's like um, like just celebrity portraits mixed with like vintage pop art, like gradients and stuff. And it's just like, I had a lot of fun doing one of those things. Cause one of my clients, he's like, you just do what you want. Just, 
I give you free reign. You know, he's one of those guys that, you know, because people are like, do what you want. But then you show him something, they're like, ah, I don't know. Like, this <laughs> guy's like, yeah, yeah, this guy was legit. Like, whatever the fuck you want to do, do it. You know what yeah. I mean? And I came up with a really cool thing. And it was like a Salvador Dali. Um, it was like a face with like a gradient, like a bunch of weird mix of styles. And yeah. I actually really enjoyed doing that. He absolutely loved it. Uh, my followers seemed to be like responding well to it. So that's definitely something I kind of want to like experiment more with because you know everybody likes a good like pop culture like tattoo you know what i mean like the marilyn monroe's the you know elvis's the all that stuff you know yeah so it's like adding a cool little twist to it is like a cool thing i like to explore yeah, yeah for sure mm-hmm. with your with the cover-ups when when a client comes in or you, you haven't done many right but you said you want to start doing more yeah i mean i've done like back when i first started i did a couple like um but then after i started getting busier and having more of a set clientele i i was more picky with what i wanted to do so i didn't do them for a while and now i'm starting to kind of like take on certain projects as well when when they come in for cover-ups do they already come in with an idea or do you or or the reason i ask is because i felt like you you got like this uh, dopamine of creativeness and that's why you kind of like i want to keep doing it yeah because it's one of those things where i first thing when somebody comes at me for um with a cover-up i tell them i was like dude first of all you have to be completely open with what's going to be covered you know what i mean because i have a lot of people that are like oh i have this like name that i want to get covered up and they want like a portrait of their grandma like right over i was like that's not gonna work you know what i mean it's like (laughs) i I always tell people i was like you have to be completely open with the idea that you know what can cover it be realistic with it you know what i mean um so before i even talk about anything that has to do with a cover-up i make sure that they're open with the idea so they don't end up getting like something that's like you know they're like oh you know like because i have to tell them when it comes to a cover-up you have to have a little bit more faith in the artist than normal because you're you know you have to trust that they're going to give you something that is still within what you like but is more realistic in what is realistically going to cover that you mm-hmm. know right so yeah it's one of those things where it's like if that if i already sense that they're too being too hesitant or something i'm like i don't want to do this you know what i mean yeah. but you should have been that strict the first time you got it yeah you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you should have fucking uh, you should have found a better artist exactly yeah that's what i tell everybody because that's another thing where uh i uh i always struggle with and stuff that i always get clients that are like Oh, well, like, what are you doing here? What are you doing there? What are you doing here? What are you doing there? When it comes to a cover of my like, bro, why didn't you do, why didn't you ask all these questions to the first guy? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just let me work, you know? So, but I feel like it's more of like a, a thing that they struggle with because they always, they kind of lose faith because of the first experience that they had. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be, you know, sympathetic and kind of notice that they're going to, you know, you have to kind of be like, I understand what you're going through. You just trust me, you know? Yeah. That's a big thing. For mm-hmm. sure. And this kind of has uh, to do with, you know, along the lines with, of what we were already talking about. But um, when when you're doing like because I, I know like if anybody I mean, anybody that follows you knows that, you know, you've openly said that you struggle with anxiety and stuff like that. Absolutely. Um, every day. Yeah. I, is that do you get anxious when you do a tattoo or is or are you like super confident every time? That's a very good question, because I mean, I think that's something that um, I wanted to talk about more in this podcast because i feel like that's a, a lot of my followers actually like like that part about me that i am very open about it and they want to know more about it and what i do yeah um but i can honestly say that that's one thing tattooing is probably one of the only times that like it completely gets shut off you know what i mean like every other day of the like 
I'm Literally, doing anything yeah. else. I'm my mind's racing, 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 racing. And when I'm actually tattooing, um, it's it's not a matter if if I'm going to do a good tattoo. It's how can I make this tattoo better? You know what I mean? Like than yeah. the last one that I did. You know what I mean? So it's I go in it into a very confident, like controlled mindset. And yeah, half of the time, like. I know what I'm going to do, how I'm going to attack it. So it's not like anything unexpected. So anxiety doesn't really hit me as much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And half the time I'm fucking thinking like, what am I going to eat after this? What am I gonna, like? I'm hardly thinking about the actual tattoo itself. Right. But like, not that I'm like, I'm not paying attention, but it's like, you know, it's like, I'm, it's like I'm, in a, nature, yeah, right? I'm in like in a calm sense to where I don't have to worry about, oh shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's something that, that, uh, that you struggle with like every day is like your anxiety. Dude, it's it's weird because me being uh raised like in a traditional mexican family i feel like you you're almost raised that like mental illness isn't kind of like a real thing you know what i mean like as a mexican you're just like oh just suck it up you know what i mean like ponte los huevos and fucking you know what i mean and it's like so it was something that was very different to me you know what i mean it was like i don't know why i feel this way i don't know why i'm sad all the time i don't know why i'm constantly overthinking this and it would be one of those things where i would just tell my family i'm like i'm just just feeling very eh, you know what I mean? They're like, well, why? I'm like, I don't know. You know, and it's like to them, it just it was like, well, just be happy, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's not that easy, you know what I mean? And that was something that I always struggled with. And it actually took my sister uh getting pregnant and getting like what do they call it, like postpartum de- depression? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And her having getting uh what is it, prescribed Soloft? Okay. That um they my family's like well maybe depression is kind of then it was a real uh, thing yeah like maybe it is a thing you know what i mean and then i was talking to my sister and she's like well why do you feel this and i literally like laid it out on the table how i feel every day and she's like holy shit like you need to get help you know what i mean yeah and that's one of the things where i feel like um i've tried tons of different ways to try to like get rid of it and retreat it and stuff and it was it was it was all different ways you know what i mean like i always thought that my depression was because i didn't feel like i was doing enough because i didn't have this i didn't have that you know i grew up um you know i think one of the biggest things that was in my mind when i did that is that uh i always told myself i was like i'm upset because i'm not doing enough i'm upset because of this i'm upset because i don't have this car i'm upset because i had this you know what i mean so growing up and tattooing uh, I always put a big pressure on myself because one of the biggest motivations for myself is the fact that my dad, he just recently retired and he was, uh, he worked 65 years for his life. You know, he busted his ass to provide for us every time. And, um, when he retired, he's, uh, he told me that he was only getting like $800 a month from social security. And that just like really clicked. And I'm just like, I'm not going to bust my ass for fucking 65 years to enjoy maybe the next 10 to 15 with $600 a day. You know what I mean? Like that's not even a day. Yeah. A month. A month. month. I'm like, that's fucking ridiculous. You know what I mean? Yeah. So immediately, like I already had the thought before that, that I lived the rest of my life being like, if I can get rid of the one thing, like a lot of people don't know this, but, um, I always thought to myself, I was like, if I can get rid of the one thing that worries people the most, I'll be okay. I'll be happy then. And what's the one thing people worry about the most? Money. Money, Money, right? So I was just like, I'm going to work, 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 work. I'm going to keep doing this, keep doing that. 
And um, it somehow just kept motivating, kept working out, kept building, I kept building, I kept building. And then I told myself, if I have this much money, I'm going to be happy. I reached it. If I, if I had this much, if I did this, if I did this, if I have a GTR, I'm going to be happy. I had the GTR. Fucking was in love with it for a year. And then, uh, and then I was like, no, now I need a Lambo. You know what I mean? I want to get a Lambo before I'm 30. I get a fucking Lambo. And, you know, I do, I did that. And I'm like, oh, I'm still kind of, you know, un, un, you know, I don't know how I feel about this. I was like, now maybe I just needed a more expensive car. I already did this. So I bought another Lambo, you know what I mean? And then I, then I got the McLaren. Then I did that. And then I had the Corvette. Then I had all this. And then I, I was like, maybe I just need like a nice house to put all this in. So I bought a house, you know? And then I just kept realizing that I was fighting my anxiety, trying to, oh, fighting my anxiety with materialistic temporary shit. You're trying to keep your bills, yourself yeah. busy. Yeah. And it was one of those things where one day I, I, uh, I get a call from my sister and she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just, I'm over it, dude. Like I, uh, for lack of a better word, I felt like I committed mental suicide. You know what I mean? I was just over life. I'm just like, I, I'm just unmotivated. I don't want any of this. You know what I mean? Like, and um, I realized that for the last 10 years, 10 or so years, I was busting my ass to get everything I've ever fucking wanted, thinking it was going to make me happy. And I was still looking at everything that I've ever had. And I was still miserable. I was still like empty inside. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And that was the big, like, turning point for my life that I'm like, I, what, you know, like what, what the fuck, you know what I mean? Like I did more than most people have done in their lives in a couple of years, but why do I still feel shitty? Yeah. Why do I still feel miserable? Why do I still want more and more and more? You know what I mean? And it sucked um, that I would get people on social media telling me about how much an inspiration I am to them or how I've, how I'm dude, you're living the life. You're killing it. You got the cards, you got this, you got that. And in my head, I'm just like, well, why am I miserable? You know what I mean? Like, why am I still miserable every fucking day? I should be happy because these people are telling me I'm happy. Why am I not happy? You know what I mean? And yeah, it was one of those things that I realized that that's when I realized that I was chasing all of this, or chasing this anxiety away, buying, spending money, buying extravagant shit that I didn't need from, you know what I mean? Thinking I'm like, oh yeah, and yeah, like the Lambo did make me happy for a little bit. The McLaren did make me happy for a little bit, but deep down inside, I was still miserable. I still felt empty. I still felt like I wasn't doing enough. I still, it wasn't, I wasn't fulfilled. You sure. get what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was one of those things where I, I, one day I just woke up and I said, dude, I, I want to get rid of everything. Yeah. I want to get rid of everything. And that's when I realized that no materialistic thing is ever going to make me happy. That the only person that can make me happy is myself. You know what I mean? Spending time with loved ones, spending money on memories, doing stuff. You know what I mean? And yeah, I got, I literally just started um, selling everything. I got rid of everything that I could. I'm like, I don't need this. I don't, whatever I didn't need, I didn't need. I was trying to like almost start back from scratch because there was a point where I told my friends, I was like, dude, I almost feel like getting rid of everything, starting back from scratch, like past tattooing, past investing, past my clothing company, past everything, starting from zero to build it back up to where I am now, just to prove to myself that I deserve everything that I have. Yeah. And everybody told me that's the wrong way to think about that, dude. Like you should be proud of what you've made this and that. And like them telling me that, still pissed me off because it's like, if you see that, everybody sees that. Why don't I see that? 
Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? There's no so you couldn't find satisfaction. I, I I couldn't. I was literally just super depressed. Like I tell everybody, like I committed mental suicide. I just literally like there was a point where for two weeks I canceled all my appointments and I just laid in bed all day. Laid in bed, didn't get up, didn't do it. Well, I mean, I get I got up to like pee and poop and shit, but <laughs> it was like I just I I I didn't want to do anything. Nothing seemed fun. Not my family, not my friends, not anything. You know, and it was just like. It was a very, very, very dark place because I was just like, dude, I have everything that I've ever wanted. I've achieved a lot of shit. Why am I still empty? You know what I mean? And it was one of those things where I think having all that stuff around me made me even more depressed because I'm like, I don't even deserve this shit. I can't even enjoy it because I don't like it. You know what I mean? It was a very, very dark time in my spot. And I didn't, I don't really like to share that to a lot of people at that time because you know, as you know, I don't like to, as a man, I don't like to burden people with my problems. People aren't going to understand. People aren't going to do all that stuff. But I think that was half of the reason why it blew up so much. You know what I mean? Because I was like, I didn't tell anybody about it. You know what I mean? And once I started opening up to my friends, those were like, holy, holy shit. Like, you know, like, take it easy. Like, you're going at it all wrong. You know what I mean? And that was just like, I think the turning point of to where I said, I need to step back and resharpen the saw a little bit, you know, not the glitz and the glamour of all that stuff is not all it takes, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So with, with, that, with all that being, uh, being said and everything that you just shared, which we appreciate, thank mm-hmm. you for, for sharing all of that. How do you feel right now? Bro, I mean, it's, it's, it's struggle, man. Present, Every day. Yeah. Day, like yeah. I, I, I'm finding happiness in the little things now, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm trying to make time this, you know, I think I presented my, all my time, my energy, my effort and everything, um, in my businesses and everything that I didn't really make time for me. And, um, it was actually a funny story. My friend, Tommy, um, I showed him my schedule and he saw that I was booked and booked and booked and booked constantly busy. I was like, I don't have any time. And he looks at my schedule and he goes, yeah, dude, but where's the time for you? You know what I mean? And that really resonated with me. And I said, you know what, dude, I hit up my assistant. I said, dude, give me more days off doing this and that. So it's like every day is a struggle. I'm not in the place I was before. I'm in a way better place now. You know what I mean? Because I've taken the steps to kind of just be like, all right, it's it's if I if I take two days off, it's everything's going to be OK. Nothing's going to leave and disappear. You know what I mean? Like I could yeah. still have a nice life with it. Excuse me without it. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just kind of just one day at a time, you know what yeah. I mean? Like kind of just getting up and being like, all right, like I need to, I've busted my ass for 10 years, like sit back and enjoy the roses or smell the roses a little bit. You know, it's like, you know, yeah, I'm a yeah. lot better than I was. Yeah. So you're, so you're, you're better and, and you're getting better, but mm-hmm. it's still, it's still a thing. Yeah. I mean, it's something that's still, that I feel like I'm still gonna struggle with for a while. It's yeah. just, how what the things I do to change it, you know, you what seem I mean? to have uh, figured out how to at least try to manage it. Yeah. Because it's, it's definitely something that I feel like a lot of the realizations were me were just finding that I really got, just got caught up in that rat race, that rat race that this, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that. And then I realized that none of that shit's worth it, dude. Like none of, none of that shit. Like I'm very glad to an extent that at a very young age, I got to experience the exotic cars, the money that all that stuff. And like, it was cool. It was awesome. I'm glad I'll probably get more exotic cars in the future. You know what I mean? But I'm glad that I experienced all that and already realized that it didn't give me the fulfillment that I needed. And now I can kind of just 
focus on the other stuff you know what i mean because imagine you're going into 40 trying to still fucking get that exotic car yeah and then you get yeah. to 15 you're miserable at 50 yeah exactly <laughs> Fuck. And that's the thing where i'm saying i'm very grateful that i got to experience all that at a young age because i mean and who am i to say maybe some dude that lamborghini is gonna make him fucking super excited and super fucking you know they're gonna be on top of the world and shit it just didn't happen to me you know right. what i mean yeah so it's like i mean i guess at the end of the day i just you know i needed to kind of step back experience that kind of re-get to know me because I feel like in the last 10 years of me working so hard to make something out of myself, prove something to my parents, prove something to the people that I'm more than just a high school dropout, I kind of lost myself in the process. And I'm just kind of in the process of kind of finding myself again, you know? Yeah. yeah. Seeing what I like, you know, mm -hmm. not what social media likes, not what is cool, what is needed. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you're super successful. You, you're a dope ass artist. You did my arm. Shout out to Alfonso for doing my arm. Did my sleeve, actually. I have my whole arm done. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, what's uh, what's next for you? Like, not in the sense of like, obviously, you, you have to work and you have to do, you know, you have appointments and stuff and you're doing things every day. But like, what do you what do you see that's next for you um, now with this newfound, uh, you know, uh, perspective and mindset that you have? Man, I feel like um, I just want to travel, man. I want to make memories with my family, my loved ones, just I've busted my ass for so long, man. I just kind of want to, you know, reap the benefits. Yeah, reap the benefits of it. Kind of, I've had, I have like, you know, I've always wanted to see, I had a dream that I always told I wanted to see all the Disney worlds all around the world. So That's I kind of want to go to see all dope. those, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then like, I found this newfound love that, um, you know, my anxiety was one of those things where I'm like, oh, I want to, I've always wanted to see this. I've always wanted to see that. And I always want to see that. And you know that like, I overthink a lot of that shit. So, you know, it's, I realized that when I went to go to Tulum and I saw like Chichen Itza and stuff, I had, I found this like love for like nature and like just crazy, like historical artifacts and stuff. So I really want to go see like the Valley of the Kings. I want, so I think what's going to be a priority these next couple of years is almost just more or less just prioritize my clients to where I only work two or three days have, I, I, cause I can invest anywhere. I can day trade anywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, have the clothing company kind of just be self-sustaining and just kind of just travel, do fun shit, dude. Kind of just do what I wanted to do when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Cause I yeah. felt like I always told myself, um, I want to get back into like tuner cars and stuff. That's something I want to do. Like I've been talking to one of my buddies. I want to, we want to make like a motorsports division for our clothing companies where we go drifting and stuff. Um, so just stuff like that. Like I remember, I always told myself when I was younger, I was like, oh, when I have money, I want to build like the dopest S15, the dopest 240, the dopest Honda, this and that. And then I just completely went from that to exotic cars. And I'm like, dude, what? The? Like I have, you know, I always told myself, I want to build this. I want to build that. So I think I kind of just like to experience new hobbies this in the next couple of years because I think I've dedicated so much of my time in the last 10 years to building what I have now that now I kind of just want to sit back and you know, spend time with loved ones and travel and just make memories now, you know? Yeah. Just kind of chill out. Mm -hmm. Can I, I'm going to ask you a personal question yeah. and I hope you don't mind. Do you want children? Because I feel like you need a child in your life to fucking ground you. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> and that's, that's one of the things where it's like, it, it was, it was a crazy thing. Like I, that's another anxiety that I have, bro. I've always wanted children. I've always wanted children. And then, uh, but then, every, you know, you hear people like, oh, children are expensive. Children are fucking expensive. You'll never be able to do this. And that freaks me out. I'm like, oh, my God, how much is a kid? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Jesus, like, you know, 
And then it's an, it's an S15. Yeah, right? <laughs> and, then, and then I'm like, so it's it's I don't know, like I definitely do want children because I think it'd be really dope to have like a little version of me. Mm-hmm. Uh but there's no time limit. There's no anything. No. Like, I mean, I've already gone like, you know, I'm 33 now. So it's like, I'm on 33 with no, I'm doing pretty good. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, if it happens, it happens. You know what I mean? And I will welcome it with open arms if it, uh, if it was to happen. But um, I feel like that's another thing that like, if I was to have children, that would be something that really, really puts things into perspective. And I'm like, all right, now, like, like you said, it'll ground me. We'll be like, all right, now I want to do this because, you know, I think naturally as men, we all want to, do better you know than our parents did so it's like i had a pretty good childhood i'm not going to complain i'm i i got everything that i needed you know i was never without something so it's like naturally i think it's something that i that i kind of would like to you know i would open it welcome it with open arms i should say you know yeah i think it'd be cool that's dope yeah i was just curious i mean like i'm like man if you get if he has a kid in his life it might make him even more busy and not uh worry about it you know you know but there's there's a lot of people that tell me too my friends tell me like bro you'd be the worst dad in the world there's people tell me that i'll be the best dad in the world i don't know there's only one way to find out (laughs) (laughs) gotta experience it well uh i think we'll probably wrap up only because uh we're we're like at the two hour mark already no way yeah for sure let me check yeah oh yeah two hours exactly dude i I kept looking at the clock i'm like we've only been here like 30 minutes no we've been here for and and outside we spent like Four hours. We got it all out. Yeah, yeah we've, been, we've been here all day. So we'll probably wrap it up. But uh, there you go, guys. You guys heard the man. A lot of traveling, a lot of hobbies to uh, to get to. Babies. Been making babies yeah. in the future. Supercars. You know, all that good stuff. So uh, we just want to thank you for being here, brother. Uh, I know you said that you don't um, really, um, you know, you don't really hang out with many people. You don't really talk to many people. You don't do, you know, this kind of thing too often. So we just want to thank you for uh, for stopping by, brother. It was, uh, and thank you for the hats. No, was a thank good time. you. Thank you guys for having me, man. This was super awesome. This is definitely something out of my comfort zone, but it was, I enjoyed every last minute of it, dude. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Mm-hmm. All right. We're and out of here. We're out. Please. Please.